0: What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host for today, Simon Villanos, and this is episode 75, and this is our week 8 Colorado football recap of the 2021 season. Before I go on with this episode, I just wanted to make sure I said this on this episode because I missed it last week when it happened, uh, I I don't know, I believe I already recorded the episode when it came out, and so I just wanted to make sure I go ahead and acknowledge this, but uh, on October 10th, uh, we unfortunately, Pine Creek lost one of their football players, Cody Henderson, he was a freshman over there, Now I'm very familiar with the Pine Creek community, with a lot of these Pine Creek football players, especially the younger ones, and so... You know, this is definitely a death that impacts a lot of people in the community. Uh, impacts a couple of the middle school players I know as well. Well, not a lot of people knew uh, Cody Henderson here. And so, you know, on behalf of the Playmakers Corner, on behalf of the PMC fam, just wanted to make sure and give our condolences to him. I believe there is a GoFundMe for funeral expenses. But last I checked, uh, they actually hit over, well over, the target amount of money they wanted to raise for cody's family and whatnot i believe there are over three thousand dollars over but you know if you want to go ahead and check out that gofundme we have retweeted it on our page and whatnot and you know feel free to reach out to us we'll make sure to provide you with that link if that is something you want but once again our condolences to uh, cody's family out there cody henderson's family out there and you know the pine creek community Um, I I genuinely mean this when I say if there's anything that we can do as a PMC fam, let us know. You know, uh, Colorado football, it involves a lot of people, a lot of families. And personally, this is just something that we always want to put out there. But, you know, football is family. And so if there's anything we can do outside of football to help uh, the kids recover or the communities recover, you know, we'd always like to be there whenever possible and see what we could do. You know, and so just wanted to get that uh, out there on this episode before I go on, because it did happen last week, but unfortunately I just didn't see it in time when I recorded it. So, there you go, but without further ado, let's go ahead and hop into this. We have a pretty long episode, I feel like, here. A lot of great games, especially... I would say on every level. A lot of great games on every level. Uh, On the middle school level, we have the most games that we are ever going to talk about. We got five games that I went to personally on the middle school level this last weekend. And so, let's go ahead and jump into that. Alright, so let's get it. So, uh, starting on 9am at Saturday, I attended the Aurora Spartans versus Bear Creek game. Uh, I believe it was a Bear Creek Green... I want to say, uh, game, it was at Thunder Ridge High School, like I said, bright and early at 9am, and man, this was not a close game at all, you know, this was a game that I definitely expected DJ's team to win. Uh, DJ Bordeaux's team to win since we have been following this team the longest so far this season at least middle school wise that is and you know they went out and did that this was a big game that got a lot of people involved and so I want to go ahead and give everyone their credit everyone their dues that a scored or made a big play this last Saturday so to start it off DJ Bordeaux actually on the first play um, at least for the Aurora Spartans on offense he got like a huge 60 yards 70 yard touchdown run right off the bat they did a couple tacklers and really just hit that edge and uh You know, he reversed fields, actually, after that. And, um, I mean, he was gone. It was a pretty easy-looking 60, 70-yard touchdown to get it going. Right after that, the Spartans would end up getting the ball back after forcing another 3-and-out on this Bear Creek offense. And number 31, the running back Trayvon would get a nice touchdown run for the Spartans after handing him the ball a couple times. Actually, the first time he has ever scored a touchdown, I believe either the first time or one of the first times he's ever scored a touchdown. So big shout out to him. He had a nice game this game actually. Then right after that, the Spartans were able to kind of pin this Bear Creek team uh near their end zone and they would eventually get a safety in the end zone. Now it would have been a touchdown I would say but I think Sterling Dufour is I I don't know okay I don't want to blame Sterling but I heard him talking on the sidelines so you know that's just what happens but I think he said he accidentally kicked the ball out of somebody's hands out of his own teammates hands and that's why it ended up being a safety the other team ended up um you know hopping on the ball and then they tackled him and so spartans get a safety to get this thing going uh brandon lee number 49 we've talked about him in the past uh he made some noise off that edge and actually got that safety so there you go um after that they would the spartans would get the ball And then DJ would find his guy, number 15, Tanner. We've talked about Tanner a lot this season on a really nice out route. Now, the ball was probably thrown a little bit early on the out route, but that's okay. You know, it allowed Tanner to go ahead and make a move. And then he would go ahead and house that uh, on a 40-yard touchdown reception. So big ups to him. Uh, Spartans I think would eventually stop this Bear Creek offense again this Bear Creek offense wasn't about to get a lot on the Spartans defense let's just be honest with you and so the you know the Spartans offense got the ball a lot but number 10 juice uh, he would actually be the next guy to score for the Spartans team on a punt return it was a 50 yard touchdown punt return it looked really easy and he just housed that one so there you go after that you know um bear creek would get the ball again and then they would punt again now i'm gonna talk about this play here because it was called back but i thought it was pretty dope not gonna lie but number 74 believe he plays like line like left tackle for the spartans team um he was fielding this punt for <laughs> the next time around and he actually had an 80 yard punt return touchdown now Like I said it was called back but it was a very unconventional 80 yard punt return touchdown as he let the ball bounce like, like it wasn't even in front of him. Like the ball kind of bounced sideways to him. Uh, and then he like tipped the ball towards him after it bounced up into the air, caught it, and then ran 80 yards to the house. He high-fived like three or four of his teammates on his way into the end zone. Um, the refs didn't like that and Bear Creek didn't like that. I think, I don't know if that was why the call was called back, but It was called back regardless. It actually might have been a hold. But unfortunately, uh, that 80-yard touchdown, that punt return that their left tackle or that their lineman got was called back. But just wanted to go ahead and give him his, uh, you know, uh, give him some congratulations there. I thought it was a really nice play. Um, (laughs) A really funny play. Not even going to lie. But number 99, he would eventually get a receiving touchdown. uh, The first one of the year after the called punt return that is Justin Van now I have talked to some of the coaches on this Aurora Spartans team including Brandon Bordeaux uh, who does happen to be the offensive coordinator for the squad Uh, Justin Van he said is somebody to look out for runs a lot of uh, the well runs all the right routes to be honest with you uh, pretty much every play he's a fantastic blocker arguably one of the best blockers for this Aurora Spartans team Um, but it's just been inconsistencies with uh, you know catching the ball right but this This game, he was on it even in practice the week before. Brandon said that he had a very good practice uh, consistently throughout that week. And so no surprises here, but Justin Van would eventually score his first touchdown there um, and get his first uh, touchdown of the season. And so that's definitely a name to look out for. Obviously, you know, we've talked about number 15 Tanner and uh, the other wide receiver, number 10 Juice, a lot. For this Aurora Spartans team throughout the season. Both of those guys have made a lot of big plays. But as you head into, into the playoffs. And uh, you know this Aurora Spartans team is actually in a position. To play in the top tier of that AYL playoffs. Versus you know this Raptors silver team. Um, the top Bruins team and whatnot. You're going to need multiple guys to make plays. And so Justin Van might be a name that uh, will be thrown out there a couple times. As you hit the playoffs here and things get serious. A lot more serious in the next couple days. So there you go another touchdown by the Spartans at this point. Um yeah, <laughs> this point is pretty much over. I think Bear Creek would they would score their first touchdown of the season. I got to give him that. You know, would I say it's horrible, you know, defense on the Spartans? Not necess- not necessarily. You know, I mean, it definitely wasn't the best defense, though. But, you know, two big plays kind of got Bear Creek in a position to score. They did. Um, but that was their only touchdown of the season. I don't even think they got the PAT on that one. So, uh, kudos to them. You know, Bear Creek definitely has some kids over there uh, that did their thing. But, unfortunately, you know, just way too many mistakes as a team uh, definitely held them back and resulted in an easy Aurora Spartans dub. Now, I think I have a couple other names here. I know CW uh, for the Spartans, he got a nice 20-yard catch. He usually plays, I think he was on the line a lot of the time actually, but he's their tight end and he has really good hands. And so, there you go. I think he got a, I think he caught uh, caught one of DJ's rollout touchdown passes. If not, he actually might have caught the ball right before a touchdown pass um it was just right like i think cw was running a slant or something like that either way he was splitting the safeties and dj made a really good throw in my opinion just an absolute strike perfect strike down the middle And uh, he came down with it. His tight end came down with it. And then number 23 for the Spartans would eventually get another touchdown. Uh, Eventually in the third, a number 31 Trayvon would get his second rushing touchdown um, on the season. And, you know, basically that was it. You know, the Aurora Spartans won 52-6 in a very dominating win. Now this next game, I believe this next game on Saturday, it's over at Columbine about 1 p.m., I want to say. So. So, you know, if you in the area, if you're a high schooler or whatever, you know, feel free to pull up, right? But this is a big game for the Aurora Spartans. Whoever wins this game between the Aurora Spartans and Warriors White, the, yeah, Warriors White will go to the playoffs uh, in the top tier of the playoffs that is like i said that is you know your top uh, bruins team led by brady vodica you've covered him before and noah moss uh his running back over at creek so those guys uh, i believe they're like the one seed right now then you have the raptor silver team that i'm gonna talk about next year actually because they played right after dj's team but that team is definitely up there firmly up there especially after this dominating dub and then i believe Ryken banks his parker hawks are up there as well. I've covered Riken Banks. I've done a film breakdown on Riken Banks, actually. So there you go. So that's definitely a tough division. But, you know, this last game, this last game of the regular season for the Spartans should decide, you know, whether they make it into that top tier and get to play some of those top dogs, um, you know, in the AYL, in Colorado, period, actually. So there you go. So that'll be exciting. I will for sure be there, you know, and, uh, you know, we'll go from there. But there you go. That's the Aurora Spartans. Now, let me go ahead and talk about this Raptors silver team. They would play Bruins white. So not Brady's uh, Bruins. But I think it's a um, division below or on par. I-, I don't know. But it's not Brady Vodica's Bruins. The one that uh, or the team that is currently undefeated on the middle school level. But the Raptors would play the Bruins. Uh, Right after this game and so I did say I did say last week that I would eventually get the names and the numbers of the other two big linemen for this Raptors team obviously they got big old TI number 64 in the middle he did his thing all game you know that's expected right but he also got number 58 Holt number 59 Locke Uh, two other big boys you know almost as big as TI to be honest with you that are just people movers On offense and defense. On defense, they really just rotate those three guys in and out on the interior. And on offense, you know, they have them on the line as well. And so, you know, this is a very big team for the Raptors. And they dominated once again. And so to start this game, you know, the Raptors would start with an interception. This would end up with a 30-yard rushing touchdown by number 12 on the Raptors. Um, and then after that you know this Bruins team would start driving now number 7 their quarterback he's a solid little player DJ Bordeaux told me to look out for him Uh, he's a good little player over for this Bruins team but you know this Raptors team is extremely talented and they're a handful man and you know despite you know number 7 on uh, this Creek Bruins team just like you know doing his best to drive the team down the field they would actually get into the red zone and so I believe they're on either the 5 or 10 yard line and all is said and done thanks to a couple really nice passes off some, uh, you know, off some improvising from their quarterback. But once they got into the red zone the first, or sorry, yeah, the red zone the first time, uh, number four, on fourth down, Kobe Dooley, number four, would have a fantastic interception. He would actually house this interception and so it would probably have went down as a 100 yard interception for the Raptors. But, It was called back uh there was a flag on the play so that's unfortunate either way the raptors got the interception on fourth down killing that bruins drive probably one of their more uh i would say you know probably one of their more promising drives of the day so there you go uh but it would result in a 20-yard reception Uh, 20-yard receiving touchdown by Kobe Dooley. So he'd eventually get that touchdown back. And then number one Amari Kyle would get the conversion as well. And after that, I think that Bruins team would go three and out um just not getting anything just because of the pressure from ti holt lock all them boys on the defensive line and then that defense in general you know they just really wasn't giving this uh bruins team anything but after that number 12 i think his name his first name is caleb that's what i have written down here but he would get a rushing touchdown for the raptors it was like a five yard rushing touchdown ti had a great block on this run play believe he was actually pulling and you know he got that edge and um he like sealed it off perfectly and number 12 basically uh walked into the end zone making it 22 to 0 raptors by the end of that and then once again the bruins were driving near the end of this half near the end of the second quarter that is but number 18 for the raptors Eli, I believe, is his first name, uh, got the interception uh, in the end zone to basically close off the first half. Now, to open up the second half, you know, I would still say this game was kind of a close one. You know, the Bruins, they did have two red zone trips that probably could have resulted in touchdowns if it wasn't for those interceptions. Uh, but it was only 22-0 to zero at this point. 22-0. But... To open up the second half Kobe Dooley once again making it happen you know he had a fantastic game once again this game but he would have a 65 yard touchdown run to open it up and get it going for this Raptors squad uh, putting them up yet by another touchdown. And then I went went ahead and made this note here. Uh, number one, Amari Kyle. And number 25, Vincent um, where They were just playing excellent defense in the passing game, just locking up and whatnot. And, you know, fun fact, Vincent Janetti, he is actually one of my former students. I taught him last year over at Falcon. And so I'm very familiar with Vincent Janetti and his game. Kid is a stud. He's one of the tougher players, uh, one of the tougher students I know, and so I'm very glad that he is on this Raptors Silver team, and that I'll be able to watch, uh, you know, him play some of his last games on the middle school level. And so, speaking of Vincent. You know, um, they were playing good defense. I think him and Amaru Kyle were very in sync, especially in the past game. There were a couple of times where, you know, it was, um, it looked to be one-on-one and this Bruins quarterback would throw it to his receiver. He'd go up for it. And, you know, Amaru Kyle, he would be in great position to contest the ball. And then Janetti would be in there to, you know, lay the wood and uh, lay a big hit on the receiver consistently, you know. There are a lot of times where you would have a couple really big hits that kind of just set that tone. You know, obviously stop the play from being completed, stop the pass from being completed, but definitely set that tone, that toughness that this Raptor silver team will need as they eventually go into the playoffs here soon and play some of the better quarterbacks in the state between a Brady Vodka and a potential DJ Bordeaux matchup. And so... You know, um, they were, they were doing a good job, I would say, but this Bruins team was driving and they would drive into the end zone one more time, but it would result in another end zone touchdown, red zone touchdown, Janetti actually would make the play here. It was basically cover zero. The Raptors called a blitz on fourth down. Uh, the Bruins quarterback thought he had his wide receiver open, but Janetti basically hunted that route, jumped the route, and got an excellent interception, returned it like 40 or 50 yards, something crazy like that, to kill yet another Bruins drive, probably their most promising drive of that day, um, their last promising drive of Of that day at the very least. And so after that Kobe Dooley would have a 50 yard touchdown run. uh, To basically put the Raptors up at 40. uh, Number 59. He had a great block to help spring that run. And then in the fourth quarter. Number 2 for the Raptors. Would recover the ball for a safety. Now it was basically a fumble. And the ball rolled into the end zone. And the player. The Raptors player jumped on the ball, but they called it a safety instead of a touchdown. At that point, it was basically mercy, you know, and uh, that's when I knew this game was over. I stopped taking notes. The Raptors handled business. I believe they didn't even let the Bruins score, and they won easily by 50 this game. Uh, Not much to worry about here, so there you go. Now, I would go to another AYL game later this night but I did uh decide to drop by this game here between two travel teams I believe in Colorado over in uh, Denver that is and so that is a matchup between the Falcons and they were playing the Green Valley Giants now the Falcons I believe I want to say my co hosts Cody Stoffer and Mason Austin were able to make it out to their game versus the junior buffs earlier in the season, so they actually got a look at this Falcons team when they played the junior buffs. Now, we're gonna talk about the junior buffs at the end of this middle school segment and whatnot, but let me go ahead and spotlight some of these Falcons uh, football players here. Now, I believe a lot of them will be split between Arvada West, Columbine. A number of Denver schools, I would imagine, but they got a lot of talent on this team, and so there's a lot of players here, eighth graders that is going into their freshman year, that we're going to be keeping an eye on as they start their high school career, which is really exciting. But let me go ahead and talk about this game here. So, just kind of started out number 32 on the Green Valley Giants would actually strike first on a receiving touchdown. He ran a drag route, and then there's a perfect block or pick route, whatever you want. Want to call it, and he was sprung loose. He basically housed that 70 yards to the house to get this party started between the Green Valley Giants and the Falcons. Right after that, though, in the first quarter, Adrian Samala. I want to say it's amala um number 12 for this falcons team uh by the way he had a fantastic game this game but he would get his first touchdown with a 45 yard touchdown um i believe the quarterback would eventually scramble to get that conversion and tie this thing up then after that uh, the falcons would force a punt And number 16 on the Falcons, I want to say it was number 16, actually had a 40-yard punt return for a touchdown. So that was huge. And then staying or going on into the next quarter here, number 99 for the Falcons. That is Edward. I want to say I want to say it's Toure. It's T-O-U-R-E, so I'm going to say Edward Toure. Number 99, he plays defensive end for the Falcons. He got a pretty big sack there that would end up killing that Giants drive, that offensive drive. And then the Falcons would get the ball, and Jaden Green, number... I want to say it's number 5... Uh, he plays running back. He had a really nice 20-yard touchdown run. He had a nice game of his own this game, putting up the Falcons 20-0. to I would want to say at this point, they might have missed a PAT, this PAT, after that Jaden Green touchdown run. Once again, number 99 on the defensive side of the ball would uh, make some noise and uh, get a fumble recovery in the second quarter, killing a pretty crucial Giants drive like this Giants team was, like driving down the field. They weren't quite in the red zone. But they were getting there. But this fumble recovery kind of killed that. It set the Falcons back up. Uh, and then that would basically set up another Falcons offensive drive. Where number five, Jaden Green would catch a beautiful ball from quarterback Jam- Jameson. Uh, I want to say, say it's Cissé or Cc, But the quarterback Jameson, number 14, he would throw a dot to his running back Jaden Green and he would have a great 60 yard reception just breaking a lot of tackles you know I believe he like juked out one or two guys lower his shoulder and broke a couple more tackles after that Uh, but he fought for extra yards there on a big 60 yard reception and then that would end up setting a pretty easy Falcons rushing touchdown I'd don't think I was able to catch the name or the number of who rushed it in but you know it was like a five or ten yard rushing touchdown for them then one more time on the defensive side of the ball uh big old number 97 Cam Jensen and so Cam Jensen here he is 6'6 220 at least that's what it says on his Instagram profile he's a legitimate 6'6 just watching this dude he towers over everyone I don't think there is a single person on that football field between coaches and refs that were anywhere near his size. Um, But yes, a 6'6", 220-pound eighth grader. He eventually got a huge sack off the edge in the second quarter. And then number 24 for the Falcons. um, They would test him deep in one-on-one coverage. And basically, it was a jump ball. But he picked it off and housed it on a 40-yard pick six, um, basically ending the half. And so uh, it was just thrown up there for him to make a play or for somebody to make a play, whether it's the receiver or number 24. Number 24 on the Falcons would end up getting that and housing of that one so there you go so really to start out this falcons team they were showing their teeth they're a dominant team with a nice line you know um but let me go ahead and finish off my notes here because i did kind of dipped out of this game early because it was a little bit of a blowout but in the third quarter number 12 For the Falcons, uh, their other running back, Adrian Samala, would have his second touchdown run. Um, Jeez, this dude had a sensational 60-yard touchdown run. Uh, I mean, he was just juking guys out. He made a really nice cut and then just beat like the entire defense to the outside for this run. Unfortunately, it was called back. I just wanted to mention this run, though, because it was such a good play. Um, But the 60-yard touchdown run was called back. But literally, right after that, the next play, uh, Adrian would get another 60 yard, 60 ish yard touchdown run because of the penalty. Um, and it was just as good, I would say. But it was called back for illegal formation. And so, basically, at this point, it's like, okay yeah <laughs> like he's he's pretty tired and whatnot and so you didn't run for another 50 yard touchdown run or whatever after that but they would get another couple good runs here on this drive setting up a fantastic throw from their quarterback number 14 uh Jameson He made an excellent slant throw for a touchdown and you know Jameson, he's not exactly like like the biggest quarterback like uh filled out wise but you know he has really good mechanics and man does he put a lot of velocity on his throws he's someone who could rip a lot of throws into some tight windows there and so he really impressed this game uh basically at this point i dipped out because they were up by like 30 or 40 uh if y'all have been listening to this podcast y'all know i have a 35 point rule if any team goes up by 35 points uh usually i dip out especially Especially if it's in the second half, there's no comebacks there. And, you know, there wasn't a comeback because this Falcons team would eventually win, like, 60-something to 14. Uh, I know Green Valley would have, like, a literal kick return touchdown as I was leaving, but that was, you know, one of their two touchdowns on the day. And so... There you go. This Falcons team, they really impressed. Um, and shout out to Evan Haynes, number 49. He plays left tackle and defensive end. Uh, as a left tackle, you know, he was dominating, man. Like, really good in pass pro in the run game. Obviously, I mean... You need everyone to block good to have that many huge uh, touchdown runs and he was a part of a lot of those so he definitely got in there uh, cam Jensen I believe he caught a uh, conversion or a touchdown pass but it was called back but you know obviously he's a really big impact of the defensive side of the ball just being a big body you know being somebody that could hold down um, like his side of the field basically contain his side of the field and if they do come through you know he's gonna hit him and so at six He's absolutely insane. Evan Haynes, I want to say, is like six foot like 240 or something like that and so this is kind of a big line uh, obviously you have edward toure uh number 99 he's a big dude as well and so they got some big bodies on this squad and some really good skill players and so um you know i was really impressed with this falcons team i was happy that i got to come out and you know just really see them show out because they really did put on a show and so i'm really looking forward to following a lot of these uh players going into high school you know watching their careers and whatnot because i definitely Definitely believe this is, was a uh, special group, you know, and they got a lot of players that could either start. I mean, you know, depending on the situation, either they're freshman or sophomore year on varsity. So uh, we're just gonna have to see. But this is a very special group um, that I got to watch here. So there you go. All right, and so the fourth middle school game I went to, the last AYL game, Rapo Youth Football League game I went to was Chase Pruitt's Young CMC. Um, Thunder Grey team go up against the Warriors. I believe it was Warriors Black. And uh, honestly, this was a hard hitting game. There was a lot, a lot of talking, I feel like, going on, and a lot of emotions, a lot of hard hitting. And so this was a tough game. This was a fun game to watch, I would say. But to start this out, number 21, Mo, would get the party started for the Thunder Gray. Now, we talked about him when they played the Aurora Spartans. He was definitely a problem. This game was no different. He ate this game versus the Warriors. But he got the party started with a forced fumble, I believe. Um, I want to say it was a sack. So it was a strip sack on this. But this would set up the Thunder up on the 10. They would end up scoring a rushing touchdown on 4th down. So no worries there. And then number 3 for the Thunder. For this Thunder team. uh, I want to say it's either Armani or Armani. But he forced another fumble. For the Thunder setting them up yet again inside the 10 um, in the red zone and that was just a great hit there you know by number 3 there this is only a second year playing football at least that's what I heard and so he is kind of an athletic specimen out there doing his thing and so both of those plays were huge emotional swing plays for the Thunder they would by the way score a touchdown uh, off of that fumble it was a 14 or sorry it was a receiving touchdown by number 14 I want to say it's Schallenberg at least that's what the back of his jersey said uh for the Thunder he would run a nice fade route and get the touchdown to go ahead and put up the Thunder uh Chase Pruitt he was kicking PATs he was two of two uh going in and so right away you know the Thunder they get some turnovers on defense and then immediately get some points on offense to kind of get this thing rolling here the Warriors would then get the ball, but turn it back over to the uh, Thunder. And then the Thunder was driving again with a chance to go up by three scores early on. But unfortunately, um, a pass was intercepted uh, by the Warriors. Number one on the Warriors would intercept a pretty bad pass into triple coverage. I, in my opinion, the pass shouldn't have been thrown, I don't know if the quarterback got a little bit greedy for the Thunder, but he definitely threw it up there, and there was a corner, a linebacker, and a safety all there, and uh, number one, I believe, was the safety, and he intercepted that to go ahead and, uh, you know, get get this thing set up for uh, the Warriors here, get something going on Offense, Or at least that was the hope. But unfortunately, they would eventually punt the ball back to the Thunder. And so they were driving, driving. And then on a crazy play where the quarterback is like scrambling around. He like literally hits the line of scrimmage. And then he sees his receiver wide open. And that is number three, Amani Johnson. Um... I want to say that's not, I apologize if I'm not saying it right, but number three for the Thunder, he makes a great play, basically bails his quarterback out and gets open and um, basically breaks that one for a 60-yard receiving touchdown, going ahead and putting up this Thunder team up by three scores and this play was just absolutely amazing like the quarterback was running around at this point the receivers are running different rounds and you know number three he just found his way past the safety caught the ball and then got in there and scored and so that was huge and that was like just another huge play by number three and uh by this thunder team in general to kind of assert their dominance early on on this warriors team and get a pretty good lead and you know on defense this thunder team was balling number 21 uh literally i think on the next drive he would get two sacks two more sacks in the second quarter and uh just really like oh man like get after this warriors team but This Warriors team would prevail. Number 18 on the Warriors would catch a beautiful touchdown from their quarterback, number four, who at this point was just running for his life and was scrambling a lot of the time and just, like, making plays through improvising and, you know, through broken plays. And so, um, but, you know, regardless, the Warriors would get some points to get this thing going and kind of, you know, get get back into this game, right? Make it a two-score game before the half. Now to start the third quarter, this Thunder team definitely struggled a little bit. I think on their opening drive, um, they had like maybe two or three penalties in a row. that kind of just kept backing them up. Luckily enough, number 14 for the Thunder would get a nice like over-the-shoulder 20-yard uh, reception to get back all those penalty yards. But this uh, drive would eventually stall out. For the Thunder and so they punted back to the Warriors and the number four for the Warriors would eventually hit his running back on a swing route Who would fight for like a bunch of yards to get into the end zone? And this was like five yards away from the end zone And so this Warriors team was definitely driving thanks to a couple plays made by their quarterback number four and so uh, that swing route kind of You know, it kind of changed this game a little bit. It definitely made it closer for the most part. Now, they did miss the PAT, but, you know, they still made it a two, or sorry, a one-score game. And so, it was 20-12, to Thunder leading. But the Thunder would eventually respond here. You know, they'd return the kick, have a couple nice plays here. And then number eight on the Thunder, their quarterback would immediately respond with a 20-yard touchdown run, making it 26-12. to 12, Kind of reasserting that dominance here for the Thunder. Now in the fourth quarter... Once again, number 21, Mo would come up big for the Thunder, getting another huge strip sack. Um, well, at least I thought it was a strip sack, but unfortunately the quarterback was called down before the ball came out. Still got the sack, though, so there you go. Um, but it really didn't matter because literally I think one play passed and then the next play after that on third down, either third or fourth down, Mo would get in there again. Number 21 for the Thunder, getting a huge strip sack. That the Thunder would eventually recover on this one. And then after that um, on offense uh, number double zeros actually Taggart will get a 50 yard touchdown run. For the Thunder putting this game away essentially and locking this one up in a very tough battle here. Where the Warriors almost came back and won this one almost got into it you know, and won this one, but the Thunder, they survived this game, played a very good game here, a lot of big plays made made by a lot of people, obviously, you got that boy, uh, Chase Pruitt, he was doing his thing in the first half, you know, he was hitting hard on defense, on offense, he was making some nice runs and stuff there to, you know, set up some touchdowns later on that drive but unfortunately he did kind of got banged up in the third quarter um but played through and so i gotta go ahead and give him kudos man he toughed it out like a real one he definitely toughed it out like a real one out there making it happen for this thunder team and that's definitely something uh you gotta keep in mind for him to do that in a game that was probably closer than it looked on paper score wise that's big you can't just discredit that uh, number three, uh, Amani Johnson. Or Amani, Amani Johnson, I'm... Apologizing again i'm so sorry if i'm getting that wrong did his thing you know Uh, only a second year football player but you know he's kind of a taller dude uh with some nice athleticism there it'll be interesting to see how he pans out and then mo number 21 for this thunder grade team the force that is on their defense he had like four or five sacks and like two uh like forced fumbles here strip sacks this game he absolutely killed it. And so, you know, we'll see how uh, this season ends for the Thunder. You know, they're going to be playing their last game next week. And that'll be kind of big of a big one. That'll decide, you know, where they land in the playoffs and whatnot. So we'll just have to see about that. Now, lastly. Oh, man, I, this middle school segment is long. But that's okay. I love it. Uh, but lastly, we have... Uh, A game on Sunday, actually. That's when it happened. And it was the last game for this Junior Buffs team. We've covered them in the past. They were playing Prince Hall. I hear they're kind of another, like, travel uh, powerhouse team here in Colorado. Now, what made this game special uh, is basically it was dubbed the Last Dance. This was the last game for this Junior Buffs squad. This specific one that features, you know, their quarterback Trent Seaborn. Wide receivers. Um... Japri, um, and then slash cornerback Micah Fleming as well. Uh, you got Kamari May up there. And Nate Helms, I want to say, was on, is on the squad as well. And so this is the last ride for this squad because Trent Seaborn, he will be going to Alabama pretty soon here, actually. I think he already moved there. But this would be his last Colorado game here. Um, and obviously, we wish him all the best of luck. We got I got to talk to him before the game because this game was delayed by like two hours almost yeah and so uh you know that happened but i got to talk to him got to talk to Japri, to micah to all of them boys you know and they really put on a show and this is a special group of kids that are gonna go on and Probably be D1 guys you know I don't really doubt that at this point but this was their last game together as a squad against Prince Hall now unfortunately because it did start like almost two hours late I wasn't able to stay the whole time I was only able to stay for the first half even the first half was a long one like I swear there were at least four penalties every drive for not only the buffs buff for prince hall as well and so this game was dragging like this first half was almost two hours uh which was wild but let me go ahead and talk about it so to start this thing off on a kick return the buffs were kicking it to prince hall number two Jaden Fox for Prince Hall would actually house the opening kick and and return it for a touchdown. Um, It was called back on a hold, though, and so, you know, uh, that's kind of a missed opportunity for Prince Hall there. But that would set them up on offense. But number 52 on the junior buffs eventually got a huge sack that would force a turnover on Downs. After that, though, you know, the Buffs, they kind of got this thing going pretty quickly. Number 27 on the junior Buffs would catch an excellent throw over the safety from Trent Seaborn for 20-plus yards. It was just a fantastic perfect throw. Trent could not have put it on the money better. Just, it's just... It's just an accurate throw, you know, as accurate as they come, a precision type of throw. But that would end up setting up a number five Kamari May rushing touchdown. And then Trent would find number 21 for a pretty easy conversion. After that, Prince Hall would get the ball, but it would end up in a fumble. And the junior buffs would recover it by number 24. After that, you know, the Buffs are driving a little bit here. There's a lot of penalties, by the way, going on. But they're driving. And then Trent would find Japri for a nice 10-yard touchdown. Now, at this point, the Buffs, you know, they're up by two scores. They're kind of dominating Prince Hall on defense. But then Jaden Fox, number two for Prince Hall, would show up with a huge, sensational 55-yard rushing touchdown now this kid has speed. He is one of the fastest dudes in the state by far um, As an eighth grader, he could probably complete compete sorry compete with some high schoolers and uh, he's gonna be a problem next year, but Jaden Fox That's a name to remember. He has a sensational 50-yard rushing touchdown That goes ahead and get Prince Hall on the board and keeps this one a close one for now And so the junior buffs get the ball well, then number two, Jaden Fox, he would do it again and pick off Trent Seaborn on just an excellent, I mean, I believe he was at safety and Trent just didn't see him. Um, or number two just made a great play, which it could be both, you know, honestly, but he picks off Trent Seaborn um, to kind of set up Prince Hall again on offense before the buffs could potentially score again. Um, but you know the junior buffs they would end up uh, forcing a fumble and recovering that one getting them back on defense um as they're driving number 15 japri he gets a really nice uh 20 yard reception where he just broke a ton of tackles like he broke the the corner's ankles and then he trucked another dude threw a stiff arm out there but it ended up being a 20 yard reception by japri there That drive would eventually stall out though, and they would turn it back over, and then Printal would turn it back over, and then the junior buffs, they were driving again. Uh, Number five, Kamari May he had like two big 10 plus yard runs here, um, but he wasn't able to score, and then that's basically when the half ended, and I needed to dip out because I personally had a family thing, but the second half was very different. As the Buffs just went ahead and dominated. Um, As you heard, you know, Jaden Fox, he did get the only touchdown for uh prince hall in that first half now that would be the only touchdown they get uh, at all for the rest of this game as the buffs go ahead and win 52 to 8 you know i think micah got an interception uh trent seaborn i want to say through at least one or two more kamari may got in there but the junior buffs go ahead and dominate once again showing that they're one of the best youth teams in the state of colorado uh, and lastly, you know, this was their last ride uh, with this specific squad, Trent Seaborn, Kamari May, Japri, Micah, all of them boys. And so it'll be interesting to see where some of these boys go to high school next year. Trent, I, I want to say it's pretty much a guarantee. And if it's not, whatever. But he'll be going to Thompson High School in Alabama. That is a national powerhouse. And so we wish him all the best of luck over there. We've covered actually a couple of players from Alabama, including KJ Jackson. And then a handful of players from Escambia Academy. So that'll be interesting to see there. Maybe there's a KJ Jackson and Trent Seaborn matchup here in the near future. But that'll eventually wrap up this very long, very long middle school recap um just loved being able to go to all these middle school games and see what the future of colorado football is looking like and it's a very bright this eighth grade group this i want to say class of 26 group is looking really good on all levels there's a lot of studs and talent here i'm talking d1 talent here and so it'll be it'll make up for a very competitive you know couple colorado football seasons going into the future so we'll just have to see uh how that ends up and And obviously, middle school ball from here on out will be pretty serious, you know. We got the last week of the regular season. And then right after that, we got playoffs. And then we got championship games, which uh, we'll be at. We have our Saturdays blocked off for that. But that'll wrap up this segment. Um, And tune in. We're going to go ahead and start our high school segment starting here soon here. Coming up next, we'll do 1A ball. Alright, let's go ahead and get into it. So starting on the 1A level. Now, before I go into it, I am going to say I'm going to talk about these two games that I have here, three or four games actually, that I have here for each level. And then I'm going to go ahead and talk about the RPI standings for each level, uh, kind of as a preview to the playoff picture type of deal. So, let's go ahead and get it going. So, on Thursday, Yuma would play Burlington. This was a very close game. Now, Yuma should have probably won by a lot more, in my opinion. Burlington uh, haven't won a lot of games this season, while Yuma is kind of one of those, you know, teams that can definitely give some, um, some of the contenders some trouble for sure. Including last week when they lost a close one versus Wiggins. But they would end up beating Burlington 10-9 thanks to a fourth-quarter field goal that allows Yuma to go ahead and sneak past Burlington and avoid the upset. Yuma is now 4-3, while Burlington drops to 2-5, and that'll most likely end their potential playoff hopes. Not a lot to talk about here. I know Clay Robinson, he had a touchdown in this game for Yuma, so, there you go. But going on to Friday, we have a big game between Holyoke and Wiggins. Um, <laughs> oh, man. And this was a classic game. Unfortunately, I don't quite have all the stats. Holyoke hasn't put them in yet in the time I'm recording this. So, that is okay. But I'm going to make do with what I got. But Holyoke did end up beating Wiggins 41-26. to Holyoke gets a big bounce back dub against a tough Wiggins team forcing four turnovers in this game two fumbles two interceptions um just to know here I'm gonna go ahead and pick it up from halftime where I got most of my information but at halftime it was 21 to 12 with Holyoke leading and then um Tyson Mousentine, I want to say. He had a rushing touchdown. And then Wyatt Sprague would find his brother, Miles Sprague, on a 37-yard receiving touchdown, going in and making this a 34-12 game with two minutes left in the third. At this point, you know, you could basically assume it was over but Cole Kerr and Wiggins would not lay down and they would attempt to make a comeback as Cole Kerr would go ahead and score a 54-yard rushing touchdown with one minute left in the third quarter and then complete a two-point conversion pass to make it a 34-20 game right before the fourth quarter starts. And then going into the fourth, Cole Kerr, he will then complete a 35-yard touchdown pass to number four, Jason Luesberg, uh, for a touchdown making it 26-34 with two minutes left. Unfortunately, they would miss the PAT, though, making it, or keeping it at an eight-point game going into the last minutes of this, uh, Holyoke and Wiggins game, but Miles Sprague for Holyoke would basically put this game away um, and basically end it with a huge 67-yard rushing touchdown right after Colker scored, followed by a completed PNT, making it 41 to 26, sealing the game against uh, Wiggins and so Holyoke and Wiggins are actually now both five in two with losses to quality teams here so far and so Mayo Sprague He's definitely in the conversation for player of the week. Now, like I said, I don't have all of his stats. and know he has a receiving touchdown, a rushing touchdown here. Uh, That's what I know based on just looking at the score tracker. But that's all I got for now. But regardless, Holyoke beats Wiggins and goes on and improves to 5-2. The other huge game on the 1A level on this Friday night. And the last 1A game I'm going to talk about is Lyman versus Ray. Now, Ray has been upsetting a lot of teams. And so, this was going to be kind of a huge test. uh, Whether they won or lost to see, you know, where they're at. You know, what kind of team is Ray? How much of a threat is Ray against some of these contenders? Uh, A contender like Lyman that is currently still the favorite to win state. And man, did Lyman make a statement in this game? And they just completely beat down Ray, 41 to zero. Did not even allow them to score a touchdown. To stay undefeated at seven and zero, they haven't lost a game in. Almost probably a couple years now, to be honest with you, while Ray is now five and two on the season. So not bad, but a very convincing win by Lyman to go ahead and make a statement and let it be known that they still run this state here. Uh, They're still the defending champs here. A lot of that isn't thanks to Trey Hines, who, by the way, is in the running for player of the week. He had an excellent game for Lyman, going 7 of 7, perfect passing for 130 passing yards, and then one one throwing touchdown. He'd also run 10 times for 74 yards and two rushing touchdowns. In this blowout win versus Ray. Uh, Jeremiah Leaper, he also had 17 carries for 107 yards and a touchdown. And wide receiver Brady Rockwell had five receptions for 81 yards and a touchdown as the lineman goes ahead and gets a convincing dub over Ray. Now, let me go ahead and pull up these RPI stats and kind of talk about where all these teams are following this last week. Now, just keep this in mind, 16 teams will be making the playoffs. Uh, last year, obviously, was a COVID year, so it was a little bit smaller. But this year, you know, the playoffs is definitely bigger. And so the top 16 teams, according to Colorado's RPI system, will be into the playoffs. And so here are those 16 Teams and so at number one we have Centauri. Uh actually got a 41 to 12 dub over A team Northfield, who is now four and three, by the way. But Centauri is number one at six and oh. Right after them, you got Lyman at number two at seven and oh, Buena Vista at number three, they're eight and oh. You got four Ray, five Meeker, uh undefeated Florence at number six, they are seven and no right now. You have Wiggins at uh, 7, ranked wise. You have Strasburg right behind them at 8. Holyoke at 9. Gunnison at 10. North Fork at 11. 12, you got Highland. 13, you got Yuma. 14, you got Monte Vista. 15, you got Flatirons Academy. And then 16, we got Bennett, who is three and 3-4 right now. The only team without... Um, a record over 500, and so that is kind of the current playoff picture right now. Teams that are just out at number 17, we have Colorado Springs Christian, they're 2 and 4. At number 18, we have 3 and 3, Payton, and then at number 19, uh, we have 4 and 2. Banning Lewis Academy. And so a lot of football to be played going into uh, these last couple weeks here. Now the top is pretty much solidified. It's probably more of a matter of seeing, you know, who will be the 15th and 16th spot here to make the playoffs. All right, but let's go ahead and talk about two way balls, starting with the game I went to on Thursday. Now I did go to this freshman game, so shout out to my boy Carson. Plays quarterback for university. Uh, just wanted to give him a big shout out there. He's a fan of the pod and somebody who's an absolute student of the game. Love the way he approaches it. Really looking forward to see how uh, you know his career will develop. And then also shout out to number twenty six. He plays running back for this Eden freshman team. He's an absolute beast. And is somebody to, you know, keep an eye on, I don't know his name, I wish I did, but number 26 on that freshman Eden team, he could be the next Ethan Flores for this squad, be a star for this Eden Reds team. But let's go ahead and talk about this varsity game here between Eden and University, one of the biggest games, you know, this season on the 2A level. Now, Eden last week took care of 7s, just barely winning like 10-6 to six or something like that. University coming off of a dub last week against the Academy uh, where the quarterback Greg Garza did win player of the week. And so both teams, you know, coming off of pretty solid dubs here. And, you know, at this point when you have big games between an Eden, a University, a Resurrection Christian, the Academy, um, it's pretty much guaranteed all these teams are going to make playoffs. It's more of a matter of like... You know, when it comes down to deeper into the playoffs, who's going to have home field advantage. Where is RPI going to place them? And so, you know, this is a big game regardless. These games will be big games regardless going in. But to start off this game, University gets the party started. Greg Garza connects on a couple of pretty long throws, like 20 plus yard throws uh, to get in. The red zone and get inside the 10. It would end up resulting in a Greg Garza quarterback sneak for his first rushing touchdown of the day, the first of two. Uh, but right away, Ethan Flores uh, for this Eden squad would go ahead and basically respond by himself with a gigantic 60-plus yard rushing touchdown on the very first play of the game on offense for Eden, Um, tying it up pretty quickly just like that. University would then respond with a huge play. Uh, Greg Garza finds his tall receiver, Logan Getting, on a 60-yard reception, um, setting them up inside the red zone once again. This would eventually set up Garza's second rushing touchdown of the game, taking the lead back from Eden. Well, I guess it was tied, so taking back the lead for University. Then at the seven-minute mark, still in the first quarter, by the way, in um, in the first, Eden would then fumble the ball. Um, they were driving, too, and so it was a pretty costly fumble by Flores here. But as University is driving, you know, at the three-minute mark in the first quarter, they get the ball back thanks to an interception from Eden's Trent Salberg. Eventually, this would result in a 20-yard rushing touchdown By Ryan Dirksen to go ahead and tie it up 14 to 14 in the second quarter though Eden would hit a field goal at the seven-minute mark to take the lead 17 to 14 Eden Would then, you know, get the ball back a couple of times. Their defense would start playing very well. And maybe not cause turnovers, but cause turnovers on downs. Cause University to punt it. Uh, But University's defense would reply right back. And they would make some big plays in this second quarter to kill two potential Eden offensive drives. Uh, Two drives that could have scored, or sorry, that could have ended in scores is what I meant. This would be a forced fumble at the minute 32nd mark left in the second quarter. And then also Eden would eventually get the ball back and be driving, be in the red zone, be like on the 5 or 10. And then Logan getting would get a huge interception picking off Walker Martin to end the half. Keeping it at 17 to 14, not allowing Eden to quite run away with this yet. Now, in the third quarter, Tate Chacon, he would get a huge catch for 25 yards, um, but also a personal foul and two pass interference calls uh, committed by Eden would help out University and eventually allow them to score a rushing touchdown uh, from Gunnar Ponzer. go ahead and take the lead over Eden and they would maintain this lead 20 to 17 going into the fourth quarter now Eden has never been down in the fourth quarter before this season and so this was going to be a good opportunity to see how they respond against a team of this caliber that could match them on offense and you know give them fits and as the defense showed give them fits as well Uh, and so what would happen in the fourth quarter University uh, they will not be able to score again. This Eden defense was flying, but also this Eden offense was struggling a little bit. In fact, one of the best plays they could do all game was punt the ball. And when they punted the ball, they would pin university deep in their own territory, like on the five or three-yard line. Pretty they're like in their you know own red zone basically. And you know what would happen is that there would be a key holding call. In the end zone committed by University. And as y'all know, that usually results in a safety. When you hold in the red zone, that's a safety. And so that would result in a punt as well. And so not only does Eden get two points, making it 20-19, to 19, um, but they get the ball back. And when they get the ball back, Ethan Flores, he goes to work, gets a couple 20-plus yard carries. I think he had one very big 20-plus yard carry that eventually set up a Walker Martin touchdown on a quarterback sneak on fourth down, by the way. And then Eden would eventually go for two as well and get the two-point conversion. Walker Martin throwing it to Ryder True in the end zone, making it 27-20 when everything was said and done at the 7-minute, 12-second mark in the fourth quarter. So right away, you know, you basically have 10 unanswered points by Eden, to take a pretty nice lead, 27-20, to 20, with 7 minutes left. Now, University, they'd get the ball back and would drive down the field, but what would happen is that it would eventually come down to a 4th down conversion, a 4th down play. Now, I wasn't mad at the play at all, um, what would happen is that Greg Garza, he'd find his big-bodied receiver, Tate Chacon, he was 1-on-1 in coverage, and honestly, all game, like eden was getting beat 101 just their dbs not being able to stack up well against these university receivers in 101 situations and you know tate chacon logan getting these guys are both over 6-3 Like, over 200 pounds, too. So, they're tough to cover 101, you know. You gotta play the ball perfectly. And fortunately for Eden, their DB, I didn't even get his name, but he made an excellent play on the ball. Just, like, playing the receiver physical without it, you know, being pass interference, by the way. But playing the receiver physical and knocking the ball out of his hand, causing a turnover on downs. For Eden, and that was huge, I would say. Um, just that defense, that uh pass defense on that one-on-one situation was huge. At the one minute 30 second mark, Eden was basically just running the ball to you know use up the rest of this clock, but they needed this third down conversion to put this game away. Um, because you know if they did get stopped, then they'd have to punt it back to university and give them a chance to win the game. But Eden They would get the third down conversion. Walker Martin, uh, he had some magic in him in this fourth quarter. You know, wasn't the prettiest game, you know, but he made it happen. Uh, He had some magic happen and, you know, he would find, I want to say he'd find Ryder True on this uh, third down conversion to go ahead and put away this game for Eden. And Eden would end up beating University 27-20 in an absolute thriller of a game. Running back Ethan Flores is somebody who I have up for player of the week um, for this week on the 2A level. He had 21 carries for 202 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown, also two receptions for 31 yards. He definitely stepped up in this big game, setting up a lot of touchdowns in the red zone for Eden. Now on Friday we have another big game: Resurrection Christian versus Severance. Uh, fun fact: A couple of Severance players actually came up to me. Well, a Severance player came up to me in this Eden University game. I believe it was Reese Gazdek, so uh, or Gazdek. So shout out to him, you know. But Res would end up beating Severance, bouncing back from last week's loss to Eden, winning 24 to 14. Severance is now 6-1, and getting their first out on the season. Rez is now 5-1 and on the season. Rez wins thanks to the rushing performances from Cade Dunlap and Eddie Lemos. Cade, he had 20 carries for 105 yards and a touchdown. Eddie Lemos uh, coming off of a tough game last week where he got banged up in the third quarter. Couldn't play in the fourth, I don't believe. He carried the ball 22 times for 124 yards and two touchdowns. Basically, it was 24-6 going into the fourth quarter with Rez and firm control of this game. So, there you go. And then the last two game I'm gonna talk about is Delta versus Basalt, uh, and Delta would actually beat Basalt, 42 to 14, in kind of a shocking loss, giving Basalt their second only loss of the season, dropping them to five and two, while Delta continued like to just play really well. I would say probably better than expected, honestly. Delta is now six and one, and that's in part to thanks to uh, their freshman quarterback. Ty Reed, he had a great game this game, going 5-7 of for 163 passing yards, two passing touchdowns. He also rushed seven times for 38 rushing yards and two passing touchdowns as Delta goes ahead and thrashes Basalt uh, to go on and get to 6-1. So there you go. A couple of big games. Now, these games definitely affected the RPI rankings and whatnot. Like I said, for these teams, basically all the teams we just talked about, they are basically guaranteed to get into the playoffs and whatnot, but it will come down to seeding and who gets home field advantage against who when all is said and done and so with that being said let me go ahead and talk about the rpi here so at number one on the two-way level we got eden they are seven and oh no big surprises there eden at seven 0 they've been some good teams here uh and i will be at their game versus severance of this week but number one eden at seven and no At number two, you have Resurrection Christian at five and one. Number three, you got Moffat County undefeated at seven and zero as well. At number four, you have TCA the Classical Academy at six and zero. I believe they got a blowout dub this last weekend. At number five, you got Severance at six and one. So not the biggest drop, you know, but you know still at number five in the RPI. At six, you got Rush. Uh, At seven, you got Bayfield. Eight, you got Alamosa at number nine. Really interesting here. You have Basalt at five and two. And then you have Delta right behind Basalt at six and one. Basalt being number nine and Delta being 10. So that's, um, we'll see how that lasts. At number 11, you got Elizabeth. Uh, number 12, you got University right behind Elizabeth. University now at four and three on the season. Then you have number 13, you got Northfield. 14 you got Platte Valley 15 you got Kent Denver at five and two and then at 16 you have the Academy at five and two and so only 16 teams are allowed into the two-way playoffs just like 1a and so it'll be really interesting to see how this shakes out now just outside you got three and four Montezuma Cortez uh, three and three Woodland Park three and four La Hunta one and six Sterling at 20. And then you have Aspen at 2 and 5. And so I don't know if a lot is going to be shaked up on the 2A level here. If I'm being completely honest. I think for the most part. This is probably the top sixteen teams uh right now will probably make the playoffs. It's just a matter of the rankings, you know, if uh some players or sorry some teams will be ranked over others or if some will be lower when all is said and done after these last couple weeks here. But that is basically the playoff picture on the two way level. Just something of note here. But basically half of these 16 teams, so eight of these teams, will only be coming from two different leagues. Uh, five of them coming from the Patriot West League, that's Eden, Rez, Severance University, and uh, the Academy. And then three coming from the Western Slope, that is Moffat County, Basalt, and delta and so it'll be interesting to see how things kind of play out not because of different teams making it into the top 16 or anything like that i don't think there'll be any surprises uh, here as far as you know teams making it into the playoffs but like i said rankings 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 that's what matters here as teams are now vying for home field advantage so there you go but let's go ahead and talk about 3a ball here Okay, so on 3A, I only have three games to talk about. I realized last week I didn't talk about many notable games at the 3A level. um, And that's because there weren't that many. But I have two big ones here for sure. And then another really interesting one. And so let's start on Thursday. Uh, Holy Family beating Frederick. 42 to 35. Now, I didn't think Holy Family was going to be able to beat Frederick. I'm just going to be honest. I think Frederick probably had the slight advantage over them. But Holy Family gets a huge dub behind the performance of their sophomore quarterback, Rylan Cooney, who goes 13 of 18 for 326 passing yards and six passing touchdowns, finding four different receivers. For a touchdown. Now that is huge. Holy Family gets their biggest dub of the season. At least in my opinion. Improving to 5-2. and two While dropping Frederick. To five and one giving them their first L on the season. Now, on Friday night, Holy Family does have a showdown with Mead, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But you best believe that Rylan Cooney definitely made a name of, for himself this game, and he's definitely in the running for Player of the Week uh, on the 3A level. Now, on Friday, we had a showdown between Steamboat Springs and... And Glenwood Springs and Steamboat Springs will end up winning this game by one point they win 28 to 27 thanks to another huge performance from their senior quarterback Jake Hamrich from Steamboat Springs uh gets the big dub he went 25 of 38 Uh, going ahead and passing for 379 passing yards and three passing touchdowns in an up-and-down game. He found Cade Gideon, uh, Cody Mosley, or yeah, I want to say Mosley, and Austin Moore for those receiving touchdowns. Steamboat Springs at this point, has won five games in a row as they take on Palisade next week. Unfortunately, Glenwood Springs is now in kind of a tough spot at 3-4. and four, Now losing four in a row. They will play Eagle Valley next week. So that will be really interesting. And then you best believe Jake Amritch. He's definitely in the talks for Player of the Week on the 3A level. After a huge performance to clutch out a close game versus Glenwood Springs. And then the last... Three A game I'm going to talk about is Denver North versus Kennedy. This was an absolute shootout. It was a one-score game. Denver North beats Kennedy 55 to 48. Sheesh! In a huge game, Isaac Cisneros for Kennedy. He went 23 of 34 for 446 passing yards, five passing touchdowns, and one interception. Also rushed six times for 38 yards and a rushing touchdown. In a huge performance. Um, and then his receiver, fellow junior Ron Gallegos III, he caught 11 balls for 304 passing yards and five touchdowns, uh, getting a lot of those yards that Isaac uh, had in this game. Unfortunately, though, it just was not enough. You know, um, I mean, shoot, that's a lot of production for the offense. At some point, the defense has to do something, right? Uh, but now Kennedy is 2-5 and five, despite their offense being one of the most productive offenses in the entire state on any level uh, but unfortunately now they're two and five uh, despite making some noise and Denver North does improve to four and three on the season and so let me go ahead talk about the RPI here what the rankings are for 3A football after this last week here and so right now, Roosevelt is number one at 7-0. I think there's no surprises there. They've played kind of a tough schedule, especially winning big over Meade. So that's huge. Uh, Roosevelt at number one. Right after that, you got Fort Morgan at number two. They are 6-0. Fun fact, Roosevelt and Fort Morgan actually play this next week. Hopefully, Cody Stoffer will be there or someone will be there. And so we'll just have to see about that. But that'll definitely affect the RPI rankings going into the next week. At three, we have Holy Family after their huge dub last week at now five and two. Uh, They are over number four Lutheran, who is currently undefeated at seven and oh. And this is a little bit of a surprising one, but Pueblo East is ranked five at four and three. Durango is at six at five and two. Mead is now at seven at five and one. Uh, At eight, you have Palisade, they're five and two. At number nine, uh, we have Discovery Canyon, three and four. Not even over 500, so that's interesting. Uh, then at 10, Steamboat Springs at six and one. At 11, we have Pueblo South at five and two. Evergreen at five and two. There at 12, uh, Northridge. They are at 13 at five and two. At 14, we have Green Mountain. They are four and three. At 15, kind of a huge drop. Um, Frederick at five and one. At 16, we have George Washington, and so you know kind of a lot like the 1a and 2a playoffs a lot could still change here you know at least ranking wise now as far as teams getting in and out uh i would say maybe 15 and 16 um at those spots different teams could definitely get in there you have a couple different teams kind of vying for that spot at 17 you have eagle valley they're three and three um at 18 and 19 you have preblo county and preblo central both at four and three. Uh, you still have Glenwood Springs uh, only at 21, they're three and four. And so a lot could happen here in these last couple weeks here to kind of shake up these last couple teams that end up making the playoffs. Now, as far as the rankings go, uh, definitely still a lot to go as well. You know, um, a lot could definitely happen for, you know, for Roosevelt. I mean, obviously they could lose, but a lot could happen for them to no longer be number one. But after that, yeah, Fort Morgan, Holy Family, Lutheran—who could all basically switch spots there? Lutheran still undefeated, only at the fourth spot. I think the biggest surprise here is probably Pueblo East um, at four and three. That's probably the biggest surprise at four and three. You know, I could definitely see a Durango or a Mead uh, jumping them, and so. A lot of uh, a lot of games to play this season so far. Rankings could definitely change a lot uh, going into these last couple weeks here. And so you just got to keep that in mind uh, between some of these league games here. Before I do move on, though, there's probably definitely a league to keep an eye on. And that is the Denver Prep League. Right now, the co-leaders of that league is George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. Uh, they are at 16th and 27th. In the RPI respectively. Now there's definitely a chance that the league winner. Of uh, that league will finish outside of the top 16. And probably bump a team that is ranked higher than them. Um, Because you know the champion from that league definitely needs to make the playoffs. So just got to keep an eye on that. If you're a team you know 14 to 16. That's definitely a situation to keep an eye on. But there's also a chance that you know. The team that does end up uh, winning that Denver Prep League will be, like, in the top 16 already. So I'm basically looking at George Washington to lock that up there. And so that could be uh, definitely a potential situation where you have some snubs there because one of those two teams have to make the playoffs. But, you know, with that being said, let's go ahead and move on here and talk 4A football. Now a lot happened this last weekend. That's gonna affect RPI. That's gonna affect uh, playoffs um, and who gets in or not eventually. But you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and throw it to Mason Austin. Was that probably the most sensational football game? of the weekend that is golden versus chatfield uh this was an absolute shootout you know and uh, between two teams who have been very successful this season golden was obviously undefeated before going in and i think chatfield only lost one or two games but i'm gonna go ahead and throw it to mason austin
1: who was at the game how's it going everyone this is the playmakers corner podcast my name is mason austin i'm going to be talking about this golden versus chatfield game I just want to start by saying this game was an electric game, a lot of scoring, so I'm going to do kind of a brief overview of this whole game, not go I play by play. To start this game, Golden did go ahead and receive the kick, and then they started pretty solid, number 22 with the first down carry on their first play, and then number four threw a touchdown pass to number three, making it 7-0 Golden with ten twenty-seven left on the clock. Then not even a minute later, number five for Chatfield rushes for a 75 yard rush, making it seven, seven. Golden receives the kick, goes ahead and throws a bullet pass on the run from number four to number three, then an incompletion. Then after that, number four takes it 62 yards to the house using great vision and great speed, running behind a great block by number two. After the extra point, that does go ahead and make it 14-7, with 8:15 left in the first. Then Chatwood goes ahead and starts their next drive, where they actually handed it off to about four different people. Leading the rush was number five, who actually ended the drive with a one-yard touchdown gain. Where they went for a two-point conversion and actually missed, making it 14-13, with 6-11 left in the first. After receiving the kick, Golden starts their next drive and goes ahead and has a thrown ball by number four on the run. He throws the strike to number two for a five-yard gain. Then he does throw an incompletion that gets called for an intentional grounding, which was a very questionable call. They get stuffed up the middle by number 77 of this Chatfield defense, which causes them to punt. That does roll back to the one-yard line. To start this drive, number five does go ahead and take a handoff run it up the middle for two yards. Then the next play, number five, does the same play, like exact same play, but then he goes ahead and fumbles where number 72 goes ahead and picks the ball up for Golden Ball at the two-yard line, which did lead to a false start call on Golden, but then did lead to number two, running for a six-yard touchdown score with a minute 58 left in the first for Golden, putting Golden up 21-13, To start this next drive, Golden did go ahead and kick off, and the Chatfield receiver, number 11, had a beautiful 46-yard return, then did lead to a couple runs, and then an incompleted pass on fourth down, giving Golden back the ball, where Golden tried to run a screenplay that number 14 of the Chatfield defense did go ahead and stuff off of a beautiful read, dodging the defenders and hitting him in the backfield which brought us to the end of the first quarter at 21-13, where number 4 did throw to number 22 for a 7-yard catch to start the second. But then he did go number 4 to number 18 for a 50-yard catch off of a beautiful pump fake read that was uh, completed for a beautiful first down, which did lead to number 2 taking an 8-yard touchdown run, Golden up 28-13 with 10:24 left in the second quarter which did start a monster drive by Chatfield where they did run a number of plays which went eventually went for number 2 going for a 14-yard touchdown run off of an 80-yard drive bringing the score to 28-20 with 6:52 left in the half on the next drive golden did go ahead and have a a legal substitution, which was followed by a Chatfield false start, which basically offset the penalties, which two plays later, Golden did have an illegal formation call, which left them at a third and nine. Number four ended up throwing a pick over the middle to number two on the next play. Chatfield then went ahead and started their next drive where number five did a four-yard run and then repeated that with a 26-yard run with a great cut up the middle to put them at first and goal, where they ran a beautiful reverse, where number two took a seven-yard touchdown run, Chatfield, with 4.25 left in the second half. It was 28-27, Golden winning by one. On Golden's next drive, numbers opened it up with a beautiful 22-yard gain that was followed by a number four to number three nine-yard pass completion, bringing up a second and one, which was then stuffed by number 77, bringing up a third and one, where number four found number three eight, again for a 50-yard first down throw. Following that, a short gain on a rush by number four. Then the next touchdown was thrown, which is number four to number three for a beautiful 28-yard back shoulder fade, uh, touchdown pass, golden with a minute 25 left in the half, 35-27, which is how we went into halftime. So at halftime, Golden was up 35-27 to start the half, Chatfield did go ahead and get the ball, where they started a monstrous drive where they had 12 consecutive rushes that led them down the field. For a 63 yard drive that was capped off by number five throwing to number 56 for the touchdown pass around 11 yards, where they went for two and actually tied it up 35 35 with 625 left in the third. Which was then followed by a golden 80 yard drive that was capped off by a number two touchdown run for two yards, putting Golden up 42 35 with a minute 38 left in the third quarter. Following that, Chatfield ran about six consecutive rushes, which ended up with them with a six-yard TD run by number 34. With 8.27 left, we were tied 42-42. And then number three for Golden did have a 40-yard return, where number four did go ahead and throw to number three for a five-yard gain, which was a missed targeting call, which was blatantly obvious that these officials did go ahead and miss. Following that, Golden did hand the ball off to number 24 for a 50-yard touchdown run. Golden up 49-42 with 7.02 left in the fourth. Chatfield did come out and have a very good drive where they did actually convert on a fourth and one to go ahead and continue the drive where number 11 threw to number 27 for a 20-yard touchdown pass in the red zone where number 58 did go ahead and run in the two-point conversion putting them up by one, making it 49-50, to 50, Chatfield up with 219 left in the game. Golden came out on their next drive, where number four found number two for a four-yard gain. Then number four was being hurried by number 77 of this Chatfield defensive line, who was having a great game himself, where he was hurried, thrown, and picked off by number two, with a beautiful ball hawking catch over the middle to go ahead and seal the game, where Chatfield then ran out the clock, went into victory formation, took the kneel, and did end up beating Golden 49-50. Now, after all of that, I would like to go ahead and bring up a couple of different players that I saw that were insane. Uh, number four, Giselle Riley, the quarterback for Golden. Uh, number three, which is favorite target, you know, Tobias Trujillo. Number two, Lucas uh, Cavalier. He was also one of his favorite targets, not to mention running the rock very solidly. This entire golden offensive line for getting it done against a very tough Chatfield defensive line. Now on Chatfield's side of the ball, I'd like to call out number five, Jake Marshall. Number two, Mason Lowe. Number 10, Caden Logan. Number 58, Sam Ayers. They were all running the rock like an excessive amount and tremendously on every play. They didn't seem to ever get tired. Now, I think a huge part of this defense was number two for Chatfield, but number 77, Campbell Packbush. I'm sorry if I butchered your name. He was a monster on that defensive line. Now, going into someone that could be a player of the game for me, I would have to give it to number two. Number five had it a tremendous game, but number two got it done on both sides of the ball. He had two picks plus a number of touchdowns on offense. I think that he really is a stud and someone to watch out for later on in this game. Uh, and that will end my segment. This is Mason Austin in the Playmakers Corner Podcast. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Mason Austin, for that great update.
0: Uh, once again, just to say a couple of stats here. So for Chatfield, Mason Low, he forced some key turnovers on defense and scored on offense. Doing it all, he rushed for t- uh, 12 times for 71 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns. He also hauled in two big interceptions over JR4 over at Golden. And then senior Jake Marshall for Chatfield. Uh, he also went crazy completing three or four passes for 15 yards. A passing touchdown while running 42 times for 296 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. As Chatfield just barely beats Golden. 50 to 49 and this will definitely affect the rpi rankings and uh, playoff seeds moving forward uh, and speaking of games are gonna affect playoff seeds and rankings and all that and whether they make the playoffs or not we have pub the west versus fruit of monument and so fruit of monument will actually win this one 26 to 21 Both teams are now 5-3 following this close game. And really, there was only one turnover this game. Other than that, it was a pretty clean game. But one turnover this game, and it was Cole Brinkley throwing an interception to Peyton Nestler on Fruita Monument in the first quarter, though. Um, But that would set up the first touchdown for Fruita Monument and get them on the board. And, you know, leading into the fourth quarter, it was really only a one-score game throughout the whole thing. But... In the 4th with 9 minutes left, Fuda Monument's Kazen Stegelmeier, at least that's how I'm going to pronounce it, he had a 65-yard touchdown run to go ahead and put them up 26-14. to But Pueblo West was not out of it yet. Because right after that, the next play on kick return, Jacob Trader for Pueblo West would, would return the kick for a touchdown, making it a 21-26 to 26 game. Now, after that, you know, there's about, I would say, nine-ish minutes left in the game. freedom Monument would use up most of the clock and give it back to Pueblo West with only 55 seconds left in the fourth quarter. And then what would happen? Uh, Pueblo West would drive, but freedom Monument would have a huge defensive stop to basically end the game and escape with a 26-21 dub over Pueblo West in a very good game. Now uh, on Thursday as well we have another big game uh, this one between two teams vying to get into the playoffs and that is Windsor versus Silver Creek. Windsor would win this one closely though only 19 to 14 uh Windsor would get a fumble in the second quarter with about four minutes left or so to eventually set up a rushing touchdown that would put them up 19 to 7 over Silver Creek and you already know when Windsor has that kind of lead a two-score lead over teams it makes it really difficult to come back that's a choke hold kind of lead you know Braden Dorman being able to come back versus Windsor that's probably one of the only guys in the state able to lead a comeback like this especially when Windsor is up two scores and so Windsor would control a lot of this game but Silver Creek would once again make it a one-score game with seven minutes left in the fourth quarter following a Bryce score to Eli Hubert touchdown, uh, receiving touchdown, that is. And then they would get the ball with two minutes left. And so Silver Creek had a chance to win this game. And they would actually drive to the inside of the Windsor 20 with about a minute left, but they would not be able to score and beat Windsor. And, you know, they'd uh, escape. Windsor would escape with a 19-14 to win. This would have been a huge dub for Silver Creek. If they could pull it off. And it would have kept their playoff hopes alive. I mean it's still alive. But it would have put them in a better spot playoff wise. Uh, is what I mean there. But both of these teams. Needed the dub. To keep their playoff hopes alive. And well, Windsor gets the huge dub. Moves to 4-4. and While Silver Creek drops to 3-5. and Losing their 5th straight game. And so. Silver Creek. They're not, I wouldn't say they're exactly out of it yet, but they need to win out. If they lose another game, then they're probably out for good. Now, speaking of Longmont teams, though, we have Skyline. They faced off with Monarch, and oh boy, they, <laughs> they almost lost this one to a Monarch team who is like 2-7 and seven right now. Because Skyline did end up beating Monarch. But they won 35 to 34, and they almost blew this game. I'm not gonna lie; they were asleep for a good chunk of this game because it was about oh well, the score was 28 to six with three minutes left in the third quarter with Monarch leading before Skyline woke up with an offensive explosion, scoring 22 unanswered points on rushing touchdowns from uh, Ramon Carson, Wayne Drews, and then a passing touchdown to Logan Miller. That would eventually force overtime when all is said and done. In overtime, Skyline would throw a passing touchdown to take their first lead of the game. I believe Logan Miller actually caught that one. Um, and they would kick the PAT, making it 35-28. to and then Monarch would actually score a rushing touchdown. But unfortunately, instead of going for the PAT, they went for two. They went for the win, and they missed it. And so Skyline survives Monarch and win 35-34. to 34. Logan Miller, who previously played quarterback earlier in the season, is now at receiver while uh, Caden Box is at quarterback. He had a huge game this game, carrying the ball uh, three times for 38 rushing yards. He also caught seven balls for 135 receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns. He also got a two-point a key two-point conversion to kind of help mount this 22-point comeback by Skyline against Monarch, preventing the upset. And staying in the playoff race. Uh, very much in the playoff race. Now if we go a little bit south. We got Bear Creek versus Stanley Lake. This was another close one. And almost upset here. Uh, Bear Creek won. They beat Stanley Lake. 27-21. to 21. Uh, <laughs> Bear Creek almost uh, drops this one. But they prevail and improve to 6-2. While Stanley Lake is now 2-6. At halftime it was 21-20. to 20 With Stanley... Stanley... Stanley Lake leading, but Bear Creek would score in the third quarter to hold on and to win this game. Um, Here's some Bear Creek stats here. Jaden Minter, the quarterback, he won 12 of 24, 180 passing yards, two passing touchdowns. He also had six carries for 13 rushing yards. Uh, Ryan Segovia, he had 20 carries for 166 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. as Bear Creek goes on and beats Stanley Lake, avoids the upset. Now on the other hand, uh, going back up just a little bit more, we have Brighton versus Broomfield. Broomfield continues to take care of business. they beat Bryden 37 to 27 Cola crew and Broomfield wins their third straight game um, against Brighton, like I said to improve two, four and four on the season, keeping their playoff hopes. Alive, they are on fire with their third straight dub, but they play a very tough and undefeated Erie team on Friday. Uh, if I'm just gonna be honest, if Broomfield wins that game against Erie somehow, and this Erie team is tough, but if they do end up being Erie, I think they are secure in their playoff spot and uh, they don't have to worry about anything. But if they lose, the picture becomes a little bit blurry. We'll talk about the RPI rankings here soon here uh, after I go through all of this But let me keep going uh, Pine Creek. They play Chaparral. They Easily beat them 48 21 Uh, They roll and take care of them, moving to 7-1, dropping uh, them to 4-4. Jojo Roy, 12-17 of for 135 passing yards. He also had 15 carries, 103 rushing yards, 4-3 rushing touchdowns. I believe freshman quarterback Cameron Cooper actually got in as well, threw a touchdown, also threw a pick, so he has some experience there. Now on Saturday, this was going to be a big game for Longmont. Um, They're playing Loveland. They played them at 11 a.m., but unfortunately, Longmont falls short against a very tough, and I believe, well, they're not undefeated. They lost to Ralston Valley, my bad, but a very tough Loveland team, and they lose 14-35. This Loveland defense shut down this offense with a great defensive performance. Longmont is now 4-4. Uh, Loveland rolls to seven and one so Longmonts still kind of being one of those on the bubble teams you know they need to keep winning games to secure this playoff spot. they're not secure just yet so we'll have to see there but Lovelin uh, had a fantastic game had four sacks two interceptions against one of the top offenses in the state and only hold that held them to 50 rushing yards as well all from Keegan Patterson so another dominant performance by Loveland. Um, A little bit more south. We have Vista Ridge versus Montrose. Uh, This was a. I would say a relatively close game. But unfortunately. uh, Vista Ridge does drop this game. Montrose wins. Uh, I don't know if I would have predicted this. At the beginning of this season. But Montrose does win this game. uh, Despite Braden Dorman for Vista Ridge. Going 27-46. For 331 passing yards. And 3 passing touchdowns. Did throw a pick though. But. Montrose they outlast Visteridge improved to 8-0 while Ridge is now 5-2 on the season with you know losses to Montrose and Pine Creek you can't really get mad at that and then the last game on the 4A level that I want to talk about is Grand Junction Central versus Greeley Central just going to mention it uh, very briefly but this was going to be a tough game For Greeley Central originally, I had them predicted uh, beating Grand Junction Central. But unfortunately, Leon Ramirez, he was out this game with a concussion, I want to say. At least that's what Genoa told me on Thursday when I saw him at that university game. University versus Eden game. So, um, you know, this isn't a bad loss. I'm just going to be honest. This really isn't a bad loss. Without Leon Ramirez, your top guard and defensive tackle, just lineman in general, you know, you still only lose by five to a solid Grand Junction Central team. So... There you go. Now let me go ahead and talk about the RPI standings right now. Kind of the playoff picture going in. So on the 4A level, they are accepting 24 teams into this reformatted playoff look. And so here are the top 24 teams as of right now after week 8. So at number 1, obviously you got Pine Creek. They're 7-1. They've been playing a bunch of 5A teams, so no surprises there. At number 2, you have undefeated Montrose at 8-0 uh at number three you have Palmer Ridge they're seven and one four you got Chatfield six and two at number five you have undefeated Erie at eight and oh that's an interesting one at six you got Ponderosa at six in two at seven you have Loveland at seven and one at eight you have Vista Ridge they're five and two and now you have Pueblo West at 5-3, interestingly enough, above a couple teams here. Uh, in number 10, Dakota Ridge, who is undefeated. Number 11, Bear Creek, who has only lost two games. And number 12, Golden, who only ever lost to number 4, Chatfield. So that's really interesting there to see Pueblo West this far up. You also have them above Fort Carson, who is at 13, and they are 7-1. But I digress. At 14 you got Food and Monument, at 5 and 3, 15 you got Denver South, only has 1 loss on the season. 16 you have Mesa Ridge, at 17 you have Falcon at 5 and 2, I want to say. And then at 18 you have Longmont holding on at 4 and 4. Uh Broomfield is right there at 19, Windsor at 20, Aurora Central 7 and 1. But at the 21 spot right now, Uh, Skyline is in there at 22, they're 5-3, and And then you have Vista Peak, 23, and right now at 24, you have Cheyenne Mountain. Now, going into the playoffs, here's the interesting thing. So, if you look at a couple episodes ago, I did do a breakdown on the I-25 League teams. Only one team from the I-25 League can make it, and that is the League Champion. And so right now, you have Falcon at 17 at 5-2, and two, and then you have Cheyenne Mountain at 24 at 7-1. and one. Now, only one of those teams can make it, even if one of them um, has a good enough record. I would say so that's considered a developmental league and so this week on Friday Shine Mountain does play Falcon at Falcon whoever wins that game will probably end up going to the playoffs that's how real it is right now so that's basically a playoff game right now whoever wins between Shine Mountain and Falcon will make the playoffs and they'll probably be at that 24th spot in these RPI rankings when the playoffs do come around so with that being said, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Because uh, if one of them can only make it, then that means there's going to be an open spot. And so basically, this Friday, we have a basically a playoff game between Cheyenne Mountain and Falcon. Whoever wins basically gets in, assuming you know they win the rest of their schedule, which they should. You know, I don't really have a lot of, uh, I don't know. There shouldn't be any surprises there, to be honest with you. It's either going to be Falcon or Shine Mountain at this point, which is what I predicted. But regardless, the loser will not make the playoffs. And so at 25, you actually have Grand Junction Central at 4-4. Four and four. So they are still very much in the hunt. Uh, they, I mean, they just have to keep winning games, right, to stay up there. But depending on who wins between Falcon and Shine Mountain, I mean, one of those teams is going to get kicked out. And that leaves an opportunity for uh, one of these other teams on the bubble to make it in. But outside of Grand Junction Central, at 26, you do have Stanley Lake. Uh, they are 2-6, and six, though. And then at 27, you have Heritage. And then at 28 and 29, you have—oh, sorry. 28, 29, and 30, uh, you have three teams that are both—that are all 3-5. and five. Uh, Bryden, Air Academy, and Silver Creek. Bryden being 28, and then Silver Creek being 30. And so, you know, I don't know. One of these teams might be able to sneak it in. Silver Creek, they have lost five straight against quality opponents. But I do believe if they do get to 500, that's a pretty strong, that's a pretty strong case to make it into this top 24 here. Other teams to look out for, I mean, you got Broomfield. They are winning right now at 4-4. Four and four. Um, But they could still, you know, potentially get kicked out of the playoffs. We'll have to see. Longmont, they're at 4-4 four and four as well. They could definitely move down, you know, potentially. Uh, I think probably one of the more surprising teams, I think they're probably rated a little bit too low, is Aurora Central at 21. Now, here's the thing, Aurora Central, they play number 15 Denver South, who is also 7-1 and one right now on Thursday. Cody Stauffer and Mason Austin will actually be in that game and a quick shout out to Aurora Central. They personally invited us to come to that game and so I know those boys are really excited to see that one over there and so that'll probably affect the rankings there, you know, and so this is definitely still a pretty close playoff race. There's good. There's probably a lot of room. There's definitely a lot of room for moving up and down as far as rankings go. It just depends how the rest of these leagues games go across the state but we'll definitely be at a couple of those uh i know mason will actually be at the dakota ridge and golden game and so that'll be a big one as well i will be at the falcon and cheyenne mountain game to see who eventually probably makes the playoffs out of the i-25 league so we're gonna have to see there but with that being said let's go ahead and jump into 5a ball so not a lot of games I really, like, really want to talk about on the 5A level. I only got four here, um, one of them being Mason Austin as well. He's going to talk about our game of the week from last week. So there you go. But let me go ahead and get this started. So I was actually able to go to this Legend versus Douglas County game. And, man, oh, boy, Douglas County, they have a great quarterback They have a very good running back in Stonebreaker. They have a good receiver slash special teams guy or gadget player in Chase Nelson. But other than that, they really don't have much. And Legend, I mean, they're looking strong, man. Colton Warner had a good game. Bryce Vaz. Uh, He had a lot of big runs. Uh, Jackson Rush, he's out there as well. And so, I'm not going to go ahead. I I don't know. I feel bad going into the stats, so I'm not going to. But Legend blows out Douglas County. In Douglas County, by the way. Beating them 49-7. This game was not close at all. Really at any point, except for the beginning of the game. But Legend takes care of business. And uh, they move forward. And Douglas County, they drop another game here. So, there you go. Now... On the 5A level, this was another really big matchup between Fairview and Fossil Ridge. Both of these teams will probably make the playoffs, but, you know, beating the other one would have helped them ranking-wise for sure in the RPI. Uh, But Fairview goes ahead and survives a very hungry Fossil Ridge team and moves to 5-3, dropping Fossil Ridge to 3-5. And so this kind of hurts Foster Ridge's playoff chances if they can't win um, their last two games, which are must-win games right now. But we're going to have to see, you know. Foster Ridge, they're in an interesting spot. You know, that's all I could say. They're in a very interesting spot here. Fairview, they continue to cement, you know, their spot in the playoffs and move up a couple ranks. Um, But right now, let me go ahead and go over the stats. Beckham Kritza. The freshman quarterback over there, 28 of 39 for 295 passing yards, one passing touchdown. Very solid, clean game. Um, but I think the, I, I don't want to say the real star, but one of the biggest stars of this game was Junior Zach Lewis. He ran 13 times for 123 rushing yards and three touchdowns for a very for Fairview um, obviously he's in the race for player of the week on the 5a level now Foster Ridge even though they're three and five they had some pretty good performances including junior quarterback Tyler Kubat 18 of 34 for 278 passing yards two passing touchdowns also had two carries for seven yards and a rushing touchdown Nathan Hallmark keeps his sack streak alive he has had a sack every game uh, so far this season, including this one. He had one sack in two hurries, but unfortunately, it just wasn't enough. Fairview outlasts Fossil Ridge 25-23. to 23. Now, before I talk about the game of the week, or before I have Mason talk about the game of the week, which is Cherry Creek versus Arapahoe, I have to talk about... Pomona versus Arvada West Now Pomona would blow out Arvada West Who you know They've been having a pretty good season But I think the biggest storyline here Is the return of Dom Nichols To this Pomona team And with Dom Nichols on this team This is a very different squad you know, going on, uh, in the season, you know, they weren't a bad team, uh, Dion Mays, Chase Muller, they've been pretty much the workhorses, uh, for this Pomona squad, you know, doing their thing. And they've been uh they've been successful. They've won more games than they lost them for sure, you know. But Dom, he definitely adds a different dimension. You gotta remember last year, this is the same guy who ran for a thousand yards in a shortened COVID season. And so this dude, he is way too talented to be on the sideline, you know? And he still has to earn his offers and whatnot. And you know, he's just a talent out there, and unfortunately with Vista Ridge. It didn't work out, and if you go back a couple episodes, specifically the Vista Ridge versus Pine Creek, um, whenever they played, but that week of the recap, I talked about Dom's situation, and I said, Chassa, you gotta free this dude. Colorado football is better when Dom Nichols is playing. And, you know, in his return, he didn't really get a lot of opportunities, but he made the most of those opportunities. And so here's the stat line for this Pomona team that did beat Arvada West 42-14. to So Dom Nichols had only two rushes, but for 50 yards and a touchdown, also snagged a catch for four yards. And then he also had a 90-yard kick return, for a touchdown to mark his return back to Pomona. And I'm sure they love to have him back. Deion Mays though, he had seven rushes for 49 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns. Chase Muller once again doing it. Um doing it all for Pomona, you know, being kind of the workhorse here. 19 rushes for 101 rushing yards, one touchdown, two receptions for 12 yards. Now, Arvada West, they've been rolling, especially offensively. They've been putting up a lot of numbers, but quarterback Ethan Cook, he just had a bad game. He had three interceptions, also had a fumble this game. You know, he's still kind of a young quarterback, so I don't exactly blame him. This Pomona team, uh, I mean... They're they're good, you know. They they were good before Dom, but they're even better now. They could potentially even make a pretty deep playoff run. And actually, I saw Dom at the Junior Buffs game on Sunday. I got to talk to him. For a good bit, you know, he's feeling good. The relationship with his coaches are very good right now at Pomona. And, you know, his boys, they've accepted him back and they're ready to go to work. You know, they're definitely ready to go back to work and get it done. Now, I know there is some outrage in the Colorado community about this. Uh, Look, I'm going to give my personal opinion. I think Dom Nichols, he's a good guy. I've met him multiple times. I've talked to him. He deserves a chance to fight for a legitimate D1 college offer. Because he is a D1 talent, there's no doubt about it, you know, there's no doubt about it, and so he deserves that chance to fight for it, unfortunately, Chassa was very much willing to take that chance away when he moved to Vista Ridge and whatnot, and so it is what it is, I talked to Dom, honestly, he said he doesn't care what the haters think, and I love that mentality, you shouldn't. You know, and so for Dom Nichols, uh, he's going to make the best out of every opportunity, as you've seen here. He really only touched the ball one, two, three, shoot, four times, including the kick return this game. But he still scored two touchdowns. You know, you can't tell me that Colorado football is not, like, better without Dom Nichols, because it is. And so congrats to Dom He's back! Love to see it, you know. And, you know, we're going to make it out to a Pomona playoff game for sure. That is very high on our priority list. I told Dom that, so I'm going to say it on the show here. So uh, all of y'all could uh, hold us to that same standard, which we'll definitely make it out to. Because this Pomona team, they're getting interesting as the playoffs is hitting. And so there you go. Now, a very interesting thing happened friday night though in cherry creek versus arapaho and it was an upset game and you know i'm gonna go ahead and let mason talk about it and then afterwards i'm gonna say my thoughts as well some things i've been hearing uh not only at this junior buffs game that i was at but at a couple middle school games where you know some a lot of high schools on the 5a level are talking about what happened and how they view cherry creek now but without further ado mason
1: austin How's it going everyone? My name is Mason Austin and this is the Playmaker's Corner podcast. I'm gonna go ahead and give an overview and what happened at this Cherry Creek versus Arapahoe High School game. To start, I'm gonna go ahead and just give a bit of a recap of this game. Arapahoe did go ahead and receive the ball drive between number 10, number 24, and number seven, all the way down to the red zone, but then did have a fourth and one where they were stuffed. And Cherry Creek did go ahead and take over. Cherry Creek did go ahead and start their next drive by going down completing one third down but then getting forced by number 85 and number eight for another third and nine where Pirates Miller forced the fourth down with a sack making it fourth and 20 and then Creek did go ahead and punt. This next Arapahoe drive did come out with an electric start where number seven complete a pass on the run to number 22 for a 30 yard gain but then arapaho was forced to take a timeout which ended up with them having a number seven incompletion and then two other runs that didn't quite get them to the first down they did end up punting the ball back to creek where on first down number one missed number three by about two yards on a beautiful throw down the sideline where he was trying to take a shot for the deep play on first, leading to a number 85 Jared Ramos sack, making it third and 12, where on third and 12, Jackson Adams did go ahead and force number one to throw another incompletion on a very fast hurry, making it fourth down, and Creek punted. The next drive went two plays, but then ending the quarter 0-0. At the start of the next quarter, Creek had their first penalty as a neutral zone infraction, giving Arapaho the first down on third down, which then did lead them down the field, where Arapaho's drive would stall out, but end in a 40-yard field goal by this Arapaho kicker. In the next drive by Creek, Arapaho did force a fourth down, where they did get a penalty of an unsportsmanlike conduct. Which did lead to Creek getting a first down off of that penalty. Creek slowly but surely drove down the rest of the field. Where at the end of it, they did stall out. The same as Arapaho, But did end up kicking a 33-yard field goal. For a tied game at 3-3. On the next kickoff, number 4 did have a 38-yard return. Which led to number 24 leading them down the field. For a total of... 24 yards after five attempts to go ahead and have number seven hit number 84 for a 17 yard pass which he did get pulled down by the face mask by Creek which did go ahead and give them another additional 15 yards. Arapaho again began to run the ball which they did catch Creek with too many men on the field which it gave them another first down. The next play after the first down play was a false start by Arapaho, where Creek did end up capitalizing on that, forcing a fourth down and one, then stopping Arapaho. So it was Creek ball, where number one did find number fourteen for a 55-yard gain. Then called a timeout. Number one then depth found number three for a 10-yard gain, and then number one did take the ball outside of the pocket while being rushed and ran for another 10 yards. But then Creek did get a delay of game. Then timeout Arapaho, timeout Creek, right at the end of the quarter, number five did run out the rest of the time with a seven-yard gain, which did put them at 3-3 at halftime. To start the half, number 42 did go ahead and sack the Creek quarterback, and then number five got stuffed, where they did take a shot down the field. Number one, looking for number 22, where it did come up to a pass incompletion, but a pass interference was called, giving Creek a first down. In the course of the next five plays, Creek did end up having to take two of their three timeouts for the half, right at the beginning of the third, actually ending in a fourth and three, where they tried to run it with number five up the middle, getting stuffed by this amazing defense of the arapaho warriors arapaho then did go ahead and start their next drive driving down the field slowly but surely running the ball very effectively leading to them stalling out in the red zone and kicking their second field goal making it 6-3 with 432 left in the third on the next drive Creek did go ahead and throw a screen pass which went for 10 yards then had two incompletions and a two yard gain, which led to them punting yet again. To start the drive, Arapaho did go ahead and come out with a number 10 47 yard gain off of a sweep play. Then Arapaho took a timeout, but it did lead to the end of the third where they were still leading six to three. They came out of that with a one play and then leading to fourth down where they did miss a field goal. We did go ahead and take over the ball, which they did have one incomplete pass, one completed pass, and then a hurry on QB by number 85, where the QB, Hammond, number one, did end up throwing an interception to number 10, which went back for six, putting Arapaho up 13-6, with 9.26 left in the fourth quarter. After throwing a pick, number one did go ahead and get sacked by number 85, Jared Ramos, where they after that they did have a 26-yard run, then a two-yard run, and then number one found number three for a 20-yard catch, which did put number ten down on an injury, which was a huge loss for this secondary of Arapahoes. Where Arapahoe did have three great defensive plays in a row after that, where number nine got a sack, and then brought them back to a second and 15, then a deep incompletion by number one off of a hurry from number eight. Then, number one fumbled the ball and brought it, then did recover it and brought it back for a fourth and 15. Lucky for the defense of Arapahoe to actually commit a penalty, which would give them an automatic first down off of a personal foul, which led them into the red zone where number one eventually took it in for a one yard TD score for Creek, ending at 10 13 with Arapahoe up with barely any time left on the clock. Creek then did send the ball back down to Arapaho, where they had a seven yard gain, which was negated by a false start. Then the number 24 was stuffed on third down, bringing up a fourth and nine on the Arapahoe 10 yard line, where Arapahoe was getting ready to punt with about a minute 25 left after Creek took a timeout. And this is where the game took a very crucial turn Arapaho went to punt and Creek called a punt block, which in this situation, I'm not quite sure why they would call a punt block, but they did end up roughing the punter, giving Arapaho the game by giving them a first down and allowing them to go into victory formation because Creek had no timeouts left with a minute 12 left in the game. Arapaho wins 13-10 after taking the final kneel. There's just a couple players I'd like to call out for this game. Um... The entire Arapahoe defense, I would just like to say, had an amazing game, but I would like to call out number 85, Jared Ramos, and number 8, Jackson Adams. They both played solid games. Jared Ramos having a couple sacks, Jackson Adams forcing so many different incompletions because he was forcing that quarterback to run in that pocket so much. I'd like to call out number 7, Cole Hansen, on the offensive side of Arapaho for saying, for playing, sorry, a very beautiful game. Uh, he played game manager and he just took care of the ball and did what he had to to make the win happen now when cody stauffer and i did go to the last arapaho game we went number four seemed like he was kind of struggling at times but he looked locked down today so i'd like to say number four alonzo ramirez for looking locked down at that corner position where he did not let a single pass by him Number 24, DJ Montoya for running the rock very solidly for this Arapaho squad. Number 10 for being an electric playmaker. And not to mention that he's going to get my player of the game. Because he did have that pick six that actually made them win. Now I'd like to note that number one, Kristen Hammond for um, Creek did have an amazing game. Even though he was under pressure and this Creek offensive line could not handle this Arapaho defense. As well for this Creek squad, I'd like to say number 22, Aaron Boyd. It had a very solid game. I'd like to say number 5, Logan Brantley, did end up running the Rock very effectively for them. And then number 3, Kyer Johnston, had a great game as well on that offensive side, catching many passes from number 1. But as, all in all, I feel like the Arapaho defense was just too much for Creek to handle that, that night. And I believe that's the reason why Arapaho won. Now, leading into the rest of their seasons, I would like to say that Creek does have Eagle Crest, and then after them, Smokey Hill. I do see Creek winning both of these games, ending their season at 8-2 and two and leading them into playoffs, where I do see them still having a deep run as long as they can, you know, figure out this offensive line situation and everything, I could still see them hitting state. I would really also like to see a rematch between this Arapaho High School and Creek team and see what type of adjustments each team makes to try and make this an even more electric game. Now looking forward for the rest of this Arapo High School schedule. They do have Smokey Hill, and then after that they do go ahead and face on a Thursday night, they face Grandview High School. I think Grandview will be definitely a test because they are a very solid squad. But I do see them winning both of these games, ending their season at nine and one, which would lead them into playoffs with what I think would be a very high seed. But then at the same time, I see them going very deep as long as this defense still keeps playing at the perspective levels that they are. And I feel like that Arapaho could make us a, a run for state as long as they keep playing the defensive ball that they are playing and allow their playmakers like number 10, Pyreese Miller, to go ahead and make the plays that he needs to make. And the whole squad needs to make just to go ahead and win. So that will go ahead and end up my segment going in and talking about this Arapaho versus Sherry Creek football game. Thank you. And this is the Playmakers Corner, and my name is Mason Austin.
0: All right. So Arapaho has not put in any stats yet. In fact, they haven't put in stats in like a month. So that kind of sucks. But. Obviously, you know, there's a couple players that are in the running for player of the week. Pyreese Miller, I would say, is definitely up there for sure. Mason told me he had a sack, that pick six that would eventually put a rap hole over and win the game. He also had some excellent runs there as well. So he's up there. Jackson Adams and uh, Jared Ramos, obviously, they're there as well. And, you know, this Cherry Creek team, they showed they're vulnerable. More vulnerable than usual, I, I would say, Because, uh, you know, even last week, they showed that Grandview could potentially beat them. You know, Malik Singleton, he had that fourth quarter pick six, uh, that 99-yard pick six that put them in a position to win. But they didn't beat him. Now, this week, Cherry Creek, they drop a very close one against uh, Arapahoe, you know. And a loss is a loss. And so, with that being said, the talk around town, the talk around Denver, Colorado right now, is that Cherry Creek is vulnerable. And that teams want to play Cherry Creek. And that's not a great thing. Because now you got a bunch of teams. That may not be more talented than Cherry Creek. But now they feel like they could beat you. And so that's you know. That extra confidence. And that great mentality. Might be enough. To potentially upset Cherry Creek. And take them out of the playoffs. Um, I know Mason said. That Christian Hammond didn't play a horrible game. whatnot, not. But look. Like, This is his second straight pick six in the fourth quarter. Uh, Second straight game where he had a pick six in the fourth quarter. He just can't have that, you know. And this one ended up biting them in the butt. And, you know, Christian Hammond, he has had his struggles every now and then. I know Marte Russell was hurt when I talked to him a couple weeks ago. He said he will be back. So I'm interested in seeing whether... You know, Marte Russell could come back or not because he is the guy who took snaps at quarterback the longest out of him and Christian Hammond. And so this might be a different Cherry Creek team once Marte comes back. And so that's just a storyline we got to keep in mind. But right now, you know, a lot of people are looking at Cherry Creek and they're like, yo, I'll take him in the second round. Let's do this thing. And that's not that's I mean, that's the mentality of somebody that's about to upset a contender the defending state champs. So we'll see about that. You know, teams are definitely more scared of Valor than Cherry Creek right now. Especially following this uh you know dub by Arapaho. And Arapaho, you know, they they just made a statement. You know, this defense is probably top one. The top one in all of Colorado right now. You know, you have Jared Ramos, you have Jackson Adams, those guys are killing you off the edges. You have Exodus Johnson in the middle at defensive tackle. You know, um uh, Mason, he talked about Alonzo Ramirez, Pyrese Miller. They got some athletes over there. Uh, you have Cole Hansen who is able to manage the game and he's somebody who could potentially, you know, have a, you know, he could have at least one fantastic, like four touchdown playoff game. And so Arapaho, you know, they're, they're out here. You know, they're out here. So we're just going to have to see how 5A shakes out moving forward. But before I end this segment and move on to the next one. Let me talk about the RPI standings as of right now after week eight of the Colorado football season. Uh, by the way, all of these are um, the standings as of, you know, October 18th, 2021. But right now, at number one, also, by the way, I believe 5A takes 24 teams before I forget. So 5A does take 24 teams, just like 4A. But right now, at number one, we got Legend at 8-1 after their huge dub over Douglas County. At number two, you have undefeated Valor Christian at 8-0. At number three, still, and this might be a little controversial, but at number three, you have Cherry Creek at 6-2. Their only two losses is against Arapaho, And, you know, give them credit, National Powerhouse Chandler at high school over in Arizona. That was an out-of-league game, so there you go. At number five, you have Ralston Valley holding on. At six, Pomona moves up. At five and three, Thunder Ridge is right behind them. At seven and one, at eight you have Columbine. At nine you have uh, sorry, Arvada West. At ten you have Grandview. Uh, Those last three all being six and two. At eleven you have Regis Jesuit. At twelve you have Fort Collins, which is interesting. At thirteen you have Cherokee Trail. Uh, At fourteen you have Legacy. 15 You have Douglas County at 16. You have 3 and 5 Mountain Vista at 17. You have a fellow 3 and 5 team Lakewood at 18. You have Castleview at 19. You have Smoky Hill at 20. You have 5 and 3 Fairview, which is a little interesting. There, only at 20 at 21 you have Chaparral at 4 and 4 at 22 you have Mullen who is 2 and 6 at 23 you have Rocky Mountain that is 4 and 4. And then at 24, you have Rock Canyon. That is now 4-4 four four on the season. With Westminster just outside at 25, they are 3-4. and four. Now, it is important to keep in mind in the Metro 1 and Metro 2 conferences, they will only send their champion into the playoff bracket this year. And so right now, Fort Collins is alone at the top of that Metro 1 race. Westminster, uh, they're at number 25, you know, but they are just one game behind Fort Collins, so they're in that right now. Uh, Metro 2 is a little crazy with Denver East, Far Northeast, Range Review, and Overland all at 2-1 and one league-wise and sharing first place. Um, and then no league, <laughs> no league member has more than three wins overall. So there's uh, definitely a great chance that the eventual winner will finish outside the top 24. But that does mean that they will get in and possibly bump a team that is ranked uh, 24th. And right now, that is Rock Canyon. So that's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. One of those teams is going to make the playoffs. So there you go. Um, but after that, you know, you have the Jeffco League, which is sending all six teams between Ralston Valley, Pomona, Columbine, Arvado, West, Lakewood, and Mullen. They're on the top 22. Centennial League would be sending five um, with Cherry Creek, Arapahoe, Grandview, Cherokee Trail, and Smoky Hill. And so really right now on the 5A level, yes, you definitely have some fighting here. I think the <laughs> the playoff race to keep in mind right now is Denver East um the far east the the far east warriors overland you know those teams that are in the same conference oh sorry range view that are all fighting for a playoff spot whoever wins that one makes it in you know and so that's a race in itself uh i want to say as well the fossil ridge at 26 they're three and five but you know they have some solid teams here so we'll just have to see about that, you know, uh, we'll see how that works out. I know Mullen is two and six, and they're ranked 22 over Rocky Mountain and Rock Canyon. They might drop out potentially, and so there's definitely going to be some moving here at the end here. Fairview at 20 is a very interesting spot. They need to continue to win to hold this spot in the playoffs because they are kind of on the edge here. So we'll see. They're like right there with Smoky Hill, which is really interesting um castle views there as well you have lakewood and monta vista or sorry lakewood and mountain vista at three and five depending on how the rest of the season goes one of those teams might drop out as well and so you know 5a could get really interesting they are accepting 24 teams which means some teams will be snubbed and uh whatnot and so we'll see how that goes now at the top here in the top ten. The rankings are pretty interesting as well, I would say. I think these are still pretty fluid. Still got Legend up there. Legend at being number one is really interesting to me. You got Valor Christian at 8-0. and They might end up taking that number one spot. Cherry Creek, they only have two more games, so we'll see how that goes. Arapahoe, you know, they have a couple more games, so we'll see how that goes. Pomona at 5-3 and three is rising. Thunder Ridge is only 7-1, and, and they're 7th, and so, you know, there could be a couple more shakes as uh, the last couple of weeks of the season approach. But with that being said, let's go ahead and end this segment here. I am going to take a quick break here. When I come back, I'm going to talk players of the week and then games to look out for Uh, For this week. Coming up next. Alright y'all. Let's go ahead and hop into this. So our players of the week. For week 8 of this 2021 Colorado football season. I'm going to go ahead and start on the 5A level. And then go down from there. So on the 5A level. My player of the week is senior running back slash cornerback Pyreese Miller from Arapahoe. He had a sack. He had a pick six. The pick six that ended up winning the game for Arapahoe, by the way. And then Mason did say he had a lot of production as a running back. He did it all for Arapaho as they upset Cherry Creek. And so very well deserving Pyreese Miller from Arapahoe. Foray, we have junior running back slash DB For Chatfield, Mason Lowe, in this shootout versus Golden, he not only had key turnovers, but he had key touchdowns as well. When it mattered, he rushed 12 times for 71 rushing yards, two touchdowns, while hauling in two interceptions on defense in a one-point win over Golden. So, there you go. On the 3A level, I got sophomore quarterback from Holy Family, Rylan Cooney, who goes ahead and upsets Frederick. He goes 13 of 18 for 326 passing yards, 6 passing touchdowns, finding 4 different receivers for touchdowns. Rylan Cooney from Holy Family in their dub over Frederick. On the 2A level, I have senior running back from Eden, Ethan Flores. He had 21 carries for 202 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown. Also caught two balls for 31 receiving yards for Eden. He was the offense for Eden as they battled against a university. Uh, top-tiered, top-ranked university team, by the way. And this star showed up in under the biggest lights. And so Ethan Flores from Eden. And then lastly, on the 1A level... This was kind of tough, but I'm going to go ahead and give it to senior quarterback from Lyman, Trey Hines. He had an excellent game going 7 of 7 for 130 passing yards, one passing touchdown. Also rushed the ball 10 times for 74 yards and two rushing touchdowns in an absolute blowout statement game over Ray High School. And so those are my players of the week. Alright, now let's talk about games to look forward to in Week 9. There are a lot of games that may either decide whether a team makes the playoffs or decides the position of a team in the playoffs. So let's go ahead and start on the 1A level. On 1A, let's get started. On Friday, Ray versus Yuma. Both of these teams will probably make the playoffs. It's just a matter of where they're going to be ranked. So that's going to be a big one. Uh, Another huge game on the 1A level is number four, Florence versus number three, Buena Vista. This will be in Buena Vista. I legitimately tried to figure out a way I could make it to this game, but I just can't. And so this game should decide, you know, which uh, team will be over the other when all is said and done. Most likely both teams are undefeated, so it should be a good one. Then on Saturday, we got number two Lyman versus number eight Holyoke. Uh, I believe Lyman is actually going to Holyoke uh, for this game. So this should be an interesting one. Uh, Both of these teams have been talking since the preseason. I remember when we dropped our recap, you know, they was chirping at each other in the comment section. And so this should be a pretty nice, heated, emotional game. We'll see how this one goes down. We'll see if Holyoke could challenge Lyman for the first time here. In addition, we have number seven, Strasbourg versus Estes Park, which is currently, you know, 28. Um, Strasbourg, they will probably want to win this game. I can imagine a loss to an Estes Park could potentially put them in a tough spot ranking wise, which is what they don't want. And so they want to keep this thing going. And then, probably the most important game, or one of the most important games on the 1A level, is. Payden versus Banning Lewis Academy. It'll be in Falcon. Uh Banning Lewis Academy will be at home. I will be at that game on Saturday night. That should be a good one. It will be number 18 Payton. That is 3-3 three three versus number 19 Banning-Lewis Academy, which is 4-2. I would imagine a dub against either one of these teams, whether you're Payton or Banning-Lewis Academy, would hopefully put you you know, in a good spot to jockey for that last spot in the playoffs. Number 16 Bennett is there at 3-4. And, uh, and then Colorado Springs Christian is there as well at 2-4. Both of those teams. Will play in, so that's another loss there. But you know, banning Lewis Academy and Payton. Uh they could both potentially, you know, if they win this game, that's a good dub on the record, and they could make the playoffs. So that might be a huge potential, you know, playoff implication type of game. They're basically a playoff game at that point when you really think about it. Let's go ahead and hit two-way ball though on Thursday. I will be at this game. Number one, Eden, 7 and 0. We'll be hosting 6 and 1 Severance. That is now number 5 in two way. That should be a good one. I will be there for sure. On Friday, we have Moffitt County versus Delta. Delta being number 10. And then Moffitt County right now. 7 and 0. And number two in two way, and so that should definitely affect rankings there once playoffs come. Then you have The Academy that is now number 16, facing off with Resurrection Christian number three in the state on two-way uh i don't think this game if the academy loses it kicks them out of the playoffs but you know if the academy was to find a way to be resurrection christian that would be a pretty significant bump in the ranking as far as playoffs go so definitely got to keep an eye on that and so that'll wrap up two a games Let's go ahead and look at these 3A games for next week. And we got a lot in this top 16 here. Starting off on Friday, we have Mead versus Holy Family. Holy Family at 4, Mead at 7. That should definitely affect the playoffs and rankings there. Uh, and then down south, we got Pueblo South versus Pueblo East. Now, Pueblo South is... Uh, at 11, while East is at number 5, despite Pueblo South uh, being 5-2, and, and Pueblo East being 4-3. and three. And so this should definitely uh, have an effect on the rankings moving forward. Moving forward um, as well, I think Cody will be at this game, actually. In Roosevelt, or sorry, in Fort Morgan, and so it's Roosevelt versus Fort Morgan, number one Roosevelt versus number two Fort Morgan, that should definitely be a big game that might decide where do the playoffs go through, you know, does it go through Roosevelt or does it go through Fort Morgan? we'll see after friday and so that's definitely a big one there another big game we got number eight palisade versus number 10 steamboat springs uh both teams well palisade is five and two but they are ahead of steamboat springs that is six and one and so those are the three a games to look out for now, let's go ahead and go into the 4A level. There's a lot of games uh, that could have some playoff implications here. And starting on Thursday, um, off the bat, you got Denver South Versus Aurora Central. Denver South is currently ranked 16. Aurora Central is ranked 20th, despite both teams only having one loss on the season. Cody Stoffer and Mason Austin will be out there. Uh, shout out to Aurora Central for you know uh, hooking us up with those tickets. Another big game on that Thursday night as well. We'll be number nine. Pueblo West versus number 13, uh, Fountain Fort Carson. Both of these teams, like I've been saying uh, before the season, are, you know, dark horse type of squads. And so this will be an interesting one to see, you know, who wins. And then we're going to go ahead and go to Friday. We got Skyline versus Grand Junction Central. Skyline being at 22. Grand Junction Grand Junction Central, excuse me, being at 25 at 4 and 4 this is a big game if grand junction central could find a way to beat skyline that might secure grand junction Central's spot in the playoffs and then at that point skyline is 5 and 4 and i don't know they might fall out they might stay in we'll just have to see You know, but that's definitely kind of a borderline game to keep an eye on. And speaking of borderline games, we have number 19, Broomfield, going to Erie, playing undefeated number 5, Erie. If Broomfield wins that game, I think they're definitely going to make the playoffs. If not, I don't think that necessarily stops them from making the playoffs since Erie is ranked so high. But you know, at that point, you'd be four and five, and things could get a little crazy. I think Broomfield wants to go ahead and take care of business. And then, uh, finally, the last Friday game, you got Cheyenne Mountain number 24 versus number 17 Falcon. This game is to see who makes the playoffs straight up. Who's gonna make the playoffs? Who's gonna represent the I 25 league? I will for sure be in Falcon to watch and cover this game. This should be a good one and then finally on Saturday we only have one one for a game that I'm gonna talk about here and that is Vista Ridge number eight Vista Ridge going to play number six Ponderosa this one I mean I don't gotta say it at this point you know this should be a good one we'll see where both teams are at Now, finally, we're at the 5A level on Thursday. There is only one game that I find, you know, semi-interesting. And that is Douglas County versus Chaparral. Douglas County is currently um, ranked 15th, so not in a bad spot. They're 6-3, but Chaparral, they are 21. And, you know, this could go either way. Chaparral at 21, they're 4-4. They kind of need this dub versus uh, douglas county who has already lost like i want to like two or three games in a row right now so so if i'm chaparral this might be a great opportunity to go ahead and secure my playoff spot in that top 24 now on friday we have pine creek versus number 11 regis Jesuit. obviously pine creek They are number one on the 4A level. And that's really the only playoffs that they could qualify for at least this year. Uh, And so really, I'm more worried about Regis Jesuit than Pine Creek. If Regis loses this game, this could drop them probably a couple more spots. And so we'll just have to see about that. Uh, And then another game to look out for is Grandview versus Cherokee Trail. Grandview is currently number 10. Cherokee Trail is number 13. And I think Cherokee Trail is maybe a game behind Grandview right now as well. So that'll be an interesting one. And then we have Overland versus Rangeview. Probably not your typical game to look out for, but this is a big playoff decider. You know, you got to break these ties somehow. Um, a win over the other one would be huge and would definitely help um, their case to make the playoffs as the league winner. So there you go. And then another game to look out for is Fossil Ridge versus Rocky Mountain. Fossil Ridge is on the outside looking in at 26, looking in to Rocky Mountain. That is at 23. And, you know, this might be one of those games that might decide who makes the playoffs. You know, Rocky Mountain is 4-4 right now. Fossil Ridge, they're 3-5. Winning this game would put them in a pretty good spot here Uh, moving forward. Really, Fossil Ridge needs to win the rest of their games to even have a chance of making playoffs. So there you go. And then lastly, we have Ralston Valley at number five versus Columbine at number eight. Both of those teams are very similar. Just like Styles playing football offensively and defensively. Might not be the most exciting game if I'm being completely honest. But definitely a lot of playoff implications here as far as ranking goes. And so those are all the games to look out for. From here on out we're going to try to give you updates on the RPI with our recaps. Uh, I believe next week Cody will go ahead and do the week 9 recap. And then following that... I might do one more, we'll see about that. But then after the last week of the regular season, we are going to have a special episode. Uh, On that recap episode, we're going to only talk about the games that affected who made the playoffs and who won't. Other than that, it's going to be me, Cody, and Mason. We're going to go all the way through 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A, 5A. That might actually be a two-parter episode. We'll see about that. But we're going to go through all of it and talk about who's in the playoffs. Big playoff matchups week one. And, uh, you know... If we got to make some adjustment to our, you know, our, our playoff predictions at the beginning of the year, we'll do that. But, other than that, we'll just have to see. And then, obviously, moving forward as well, I'm going to cover the middle school games. You know, AYL plays their last regular season games this week. And then, after that, uh, next week will be another playoff game. And then, um, the championship. So, there you go. First week of November. So that'll wrap up this episode of the Playmakers Corner Podcast. Thank you for rocking with us. We appreciate everyone. He always comes up to us at games and, you know, uh, talks with us. We always like that. We like connecting with new people and putting new people on. You know, that's, uh, that's part of the fun with this job here. And so thank you for rocking with us. Go ahead and show us some love on social media. That's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. We post there as well. And then if you are listening to this on a streaming platform, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us a good rating and a good review. We appreciate those greatly. But once again, thank you for rocking with us and have a fantastic day.